Welcome back to We Want More Superman, the podcast where we discuss Alexander Wales' novel, The Metropolitan Man. And today we're doing chapters 11 and 12 coming up on the finale. In fact, chapter 12 was called Finale Part 1. Part 1. I know we only got one chapter left. It's a, it's a good one. This is our penultimate episode. Penultimate. What'd you think of the penultimate reading section? Uh, this is, I was actually surprised that, I mean, I guess it's not like I didn't know how many pages were involved in this, but I was surprised. I'm like, oh, wait, we're like coming up on the end. Um, I get, yeah, my main thought was like, these characters are interesting enough and like, just like the plot as it's developing, like this story totally could have led itself to be, I would say almost like nearly twice as long as it was like this, there was enough interesting stuff going on here that this could have been a, a much longer novel and still have been interesting. So I'm actually a little disappointed that it's ending so quickly, but yeah. Yeah. I, once you finish, once we finish the show, um, you should definitely find the, interview he did with Alexander Wales on the well, earlier in the, we want or in the, in the uh, methods of rationality feed. Um, like they talk about some of the stuff that made the cutting room floor and you know, what made it into the story. And I don't know anything about writing. And I, I, I'm, I would feel like I was like, I, I would feel like I'm wasting my, I would, I'd feel like I wasted effort if I'm like, this was great, but like, ah, uh, I can't really fit it anywhere. Like I would just shoehorn it in. I'm probably, I'd make a terrible writer because I shove in every idea I had. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm mostly thinking, I guess the part that feels like unexplored, the Lex, Lex Luthor is a really interesting character the way he's, cause he's very robotic, um, but not like in an interesting way, like, oh, how did this guy end up like this? So that felt like there was a, a lot more room to look into. Like, how, how do you get a Lex Luthor? How do you get a guy that's like, you know, you know, a master of the universe controls so many things and is this sort of very mechanically ethical, um, and, you know, totally comfortable with, you know, killing people if he's decided that that's, that that meets, you know, his ethical algebra. Um, like, like, how do you get, to, get to this guy? So like, that's the part it feels like, oh, there's so much room there for like making, cause he already is like pretty, like, I, yeah, I guess I want to say three dimensional, not, be- I mean, he's not believable, but like his unbelievability is not a, not a bad thing. He's sort of interestingly odd. Uh, and the way to sort of develop that, like, I, there's a lot of room there to kind of look into how do you, how do you get a guy like this? Um, so yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. Like, we're not going to get to see more of that. I am. We got a little. We've gotten a little bit more of getting into the head of Superman than I was initially saying. Like, oh, I'd like him to just sort of remain, you know, entirely mysterious. So we've gotten a little bit more of that than I was thinking about. But I, that hasn't actually been a downside for me. But uh, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not as sort of curious in the kind of exploring Superman because it is just sort of presented as he's in an impossible situation and he's a regular person, you know, trying to cope with an impossible situation. Um, but there's kind of a lot more going on uh, with Lex, a little bit more also with, with Lois. Like I, I, I'm sort of like left wanting like, oh, I wish we could have seen more about these characters, but which is totally a great thing as far as like, so they're both like alive in your head and you just wish you knew more about them, which is always a win as far as telling a story. I agree. I, I would have liked, I, I could, I think I would have enjoyed five chapters of background Lex. Right. Um, yeah. And then, or even you could like, you know, we could start some other story with some other, you know, story arc or whatever, but yeah, I'm really kind of a lot, very interested in figuring out like what makes this sort of robotically competent man tick. Then again, I'm, it may be like, you know, his rise to power story, you know, he wasn't fighting Superman on the way to there, right? Like, it might not be all that yeah. com- that captivating, but it would be, 
Uh, I, I still, you know, read it. The other thing that I like that you mentioned too was uh, we are getting a lot more of what's going on inside Superman's head than like you talked about early on. You're like, I kind of hope he just stays this like this fixture that we never yeah, get to look into. Concept, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really like how it's because uh, I when you talked about that, I was like, oh, that hadn't occurred to me. But that would be a really fun way to take the story. And then, so I read that I read that this this time through with that kind of like mentality in mind. And then, so like watching the reveal of like here's what's going on with Superman, I, I really liked every second of it. And especially when we get to the end of uh, the next chapter, like or I guess of chapter twelve, um, where you kind of just where he just takes off the mask entirely, and he's like, Hi, "I'm Clark Kent, and I masqueraded Superman." And like, yep, this makes perfect sense. Like, and now everything that made him like. And I will well, say I'll save my whole thoughts about that for later. But I'm just saying I, I really liked how, like, I liked the idea of how cool it would be to leave him as this, uh, you know, um, untouched, like untapped thing. And then I, but I did, I did love how it was tapped. Um, I liked how it came out. That yeah, way. it's yeah, it's interesting that like because it is like and it stays true to the idea that, and it feels like that's kind of like the main idea of this whole story is it is impossible to be Superman. Like it's just not a thing that a you would have you have to be God in order to be God, um, and so he's just this like regular guy, you know, shoved into the situation that no regular person could ever cope with, um, and but then that sort of and that's I guess why I was thinking like it would work better as like keep him. Although I mean, so we do get to see that like we get to see him sort of like failing to cope with an impossible situation that nobody could cope with. But that does sort of like leave it as a dead end as far as a story. Like, I, you know, you, there's only so much showing of somebody failing to meet expectations that you can show. Like, that's kind of just it. Like, oh, um, you know, Clark is faced with way more than any person would ever be able to handle. And this is him failing to handle it like anybody would. Um, so there's kind of, there's not much more of a space to go to with that. Um, but that's why, and that, so, so I think that does like, we sort of, if you're going to set up this world with like, that's kind of the, the challenge going on, we sort of have gone through the entire space of what it means to be a Clark Kent with that, with that idea. But there's like a lot more to go on with, with Lex or Lois about like, how, how did these characters get to be the way they are? Um, yeah, I, I'm finding, you know, I think I mentioned this last episode that like the more I have spent time reading things slowly and talking about them like the more I'm picking up on that sort of stuff, like just through my normal consumption of things. And part of me likes when like, I like, I like background. Like I like explanation of stuff. And then, but there's like a line to where it's like, you know what? I don't need the full explanation of this. Um, I like having like, I, you know, I don't need you to walk me through how all of this came out. You, you've painted like, for example, Lois, you know, I don't really need her full history. Cause she's, she's a strong enough character to where, you know, I, I understand I, I can ment- I can mentally model her really well. And that's what I look for in a good character. Like can I put myself in their shoes? Yeah. And I feel like I can do that with Lois, but like a poorly written character is one that I'm like, yep, I don't know what they're going to do next because they don't make any sense. Right. Um, yeah. And that's like, and I think I said this a lot with, with Yudkowsky, especially the way, like the way he would have Harry and Dumbledore kind of butt up against each other where like when, like there comes a point where the characters kind of take on their own reality and then that like the story is just kind of following them instead of like it all kind of being predetermined. 
Um, so like, and that's kind of what I really like about stories. Like once when your brain's able to just sort of like, let it all go and just go along with the story and kind of believe that it's all true. Like that's when things get really fun where you stop, then you stop being aware or conscious of like, Oh, there was an author that's kind of trying to manipulate me into a beginning, middle and end, but you just kind of get lost in the thing. Um, yeah. so that when, but, and I think I, the way, I think the way I put it was like respect for your story, respect for your characters, um, that like they, they kind of take on their own reality and then, and then you're almost just kind of following them. You're not kind of dictating it anymore. And, and so I think like that, and so that's, uh, that's worked really well in this. And, and I think like, so, and that's been a good thing, like sticking to that kind of philosophy around characters that this is kind of the limits that would be put in place around Clark. Like you, you can't really, there's, there isn't more, more space to explore with Clark. Cause I mean, that's just kind of all that can be there. If, if this is how you're gonna, um, gonna explore it. So, but, but the other characters, uh, like still could have done more. So it's, I mean, I wouldn't at all, like, this is more of a symptom of like, Oh, he did a really good job that like, Oh, I'm wanting, I want to see more about these other characters because they kind of had more life in them to like, keep going with. Um, it's kind of like we, we were just talking before we started about the Mandalorian and how it ends at season two. Like, I don't think, I, I don't think, as far as I know, that there's going to be a season three of The Mandalorian. Uh, there's going to be spinoffs galore. Oh, they kill it? Oh, but, right. So they think they're done? Because it didn't feel like it wrapped see, up. See, I, I felt like it told a story and that it was done. And they, at the end, may, maybe they're doing more. I'm not sure. But if they stopped there, I feel like it's fine. Like, I want I want yeah, more because it was compelling and fun. Nine. But, like, I, I'm not, like, I didn't feel like it was unfinished. Um, yeah, I didn't feel unfinished. But it also didn't feel like, like we stopped started a narrative and brought it to its conclusion and ended it. It was more like, okay, we didn't end on a cliffhanger, but it wasn't that we like, there wasn't sort of, I guess I'm thinking, uh, talking about that, like game of Thrones, game of Thrones had like a, as much as everybody hated the ending, but like there was a, you know, a buildup and a, and a resolution to all of the conflict brought in. Like you felt like this was an entire story with a plan and an ending to it. Yeah. Um, but that, that kind of doesn't feel like the way, Mandalorian didn't feel like uh, it, it didn't feel like there was a plan for it to end right at the point. Maybe you're right. I'm not sure. I'll have to if they're doing more. I'm super into it. I hope they do more because yeah, I've totally. Because Baby Yoda was super cute. I know, right? All right. Well, enough of Baby cute Baby Yoda, as adorable as he is. Um, we got to switch gears entirely and jump straight into Lex hearing about Superman punching Calhoun into a puddle, and uh, he's getting it. What he's got like a phone call. He's in. What is it like Hub City? I have no idea where that is. Um, in my head, I'm 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 putting it as L.A. just because it's far away from L.A. No, because I, I guess I hadn't thought about it too much. Sort of like non-specifically Midwest. I guess I thought of it as like so it would be Chicago. Although I guess you're saying the author thought of Gotham as being Chicago, but I guess it was sort of like the major Midwest place. Like he hadn't gone all the way west, and it wasn't Podunk like Smallville, uh, but it was like. Out west, but still major. Um, so I guess the only the only thing that kind of fits that mold is Chicago, Detroit, <laughs> Detroit. No, okay, yeah, if, no, if we don't want to go full west, does Detroit have a Detroit ought to have a superhero? Do they have a superhero? I don't know. Neither does do. Denver. All right, let's say Hub City. Let's say Hub City is Denver. No, it's, it's John. It's John Denver. That's you know, oh, of course, of course. He's our superhero. I'm going to say Hub City is Denver because Denver's got the largest, <laughs> like the most trafficked airport in the country, right, or one of them. That's true. We are home. There we go. That's All right. True. New headcanon. Hup. Wasn't wasn't exactly wasn't exactly true in 1930. Yep. 
I think Denver was still like had literally horses on the street. Well, the aliens hadn't moved in to rebuild the airport yet, so or the lizard <laughs> people, whoever built the airport. Speaking of, I think it was Lucifer's fourteenth uh, birthday last week. It was. Yeah. I just saw that. Did you know? Like recently, there was apparently some like must have been some HOA president that set it up, but like <laughs> like there was some like petition put up to take down Lucifer. I guess everybody listening doesn't know. There's this like super creepy statue on your drive into the Den- to Denver International Airport of this ginormous blue horse rearing up on its hind legs, and it's got these like. Lit, it's literally lit up, aren't they? Like his eyes are like lit yeah, up. they're like they're flaming red. They are. They're like yeah, the flaming red eyes that are like lit up. He looks like he's a demon horse. His name is not actually Lucifer. I don't even know what the hell his name. That's the name he was given, but uh, but yeah, he's like a blue horse with like red flaming eyes, like rearing up. He's like 20, 30 feet tall, um, and so he got the name Lucifer because he's a blue horse that looks evil. And he killed his uh, creator. It was during the installation of Lucifer. The guy that made him it fell on him and killed him which adds to the mystery so there's you know there's the element of this is an uncle story so i don't know if it's true but my uncle tells me (laughs) that he helped paint the thing and that he knew the guy that it killed no so i given that i know he does professional uh like uh what do you call it's not just body work on cars but um not professional restoration what was that Restoration. restoration not just painting whatever the fancy word for painting is when you're doing it to things that aren't walls um so i know that he does all that stuff so i i take his uh his story as at least plausible anyway um uh, so lex is in denver and uh he gets a call he gets, <laughs> he, gets a, he gets a call we're, we're from mercy go ahead and call it denver He's in Kansas. and he she's as just as implacable as ever because he can't hear her because the phone sucks and he what he killed calhoun sir who knows? Everyone, sir. It happened just inside the courthouse after the guilty verdict was handed down. And I liked his, I had hoped they would find him guilty. And he's like, in his head, he's wondering if like. I know, he's like disappointed right. in, in Mercy. Either she, either she's like, slipping. Uh, you know, you were supposed to take care of this shit. Like, uh, you know, you're supposed to make sure that he got found guilty and then, you know, nothing bad would happen and that this would just go away. So he's kind of like. Yeah. Miffed that Mercy let him down. And she's like, I know, I'm still trying to figure out what happened. And I like that because, like, I mean, she did her job, but she what they didn't account on was Superman flying to every juror's house and say, "Give him a fair trial." Um, I get, now that we've been talking about, like, can I can totally picture some other story involving Lex and Mercy? That's a good point. Like, I would totally dig it. Yeah, getting into like where where could that go? That would be that would be, that would be fun. All right, so we've got that, um, and then he just says that he'll fly home later, uh, and then he's talking about. Okay, well, this is a class C or between a class C and a class E incident. He's apparently he's, he's categorized all of the bad shit that might. Happen. I like it. I mean, you know, you got to have a you know reaction plan to stuff. Um, I, I wonder, you know, what the difference is between a you know class uh, whatever J and a K. But I'll J is it, is it like a logarithmic project projection of like shit? Yeah. So then, then there's this nice little thing. The Richter scale of 05. Right. <laughs> then there's this nice thing where he's just kind of like, I imagine him looking at the kryptonite, stroking his chin, and like, they're not sure how it worked. Um, it weighs 20 kilograms. I'm not sure what that is in freedom units, like 50, 50, <laughs> 40, 45. I was going to guess 50 pounds. 2.2 pounds per. Okay. Yeah. So 44 points. Um, and so then he's like, okay, well, you know, Freedom. this is a little risky, but I'm going to go for it. And he just takes a hammer and chisel to it. And I know. Well, it's kind of a, like, I'm like, seriously, dude, you're just going to go ahead and hammer on that yeah, shit? Yeah, probably know that, that that's um, what makes it explode, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, and then the entire earth you know, explodes because Lex was on a timeline. And then we, I like <laughs> it. 
oh yeah, then we get this really short cutaway. Uh, Floyd's hanging out in his hole, and um, I know this is it was really short, but it was like a really great kind of demonstration of like Clark is losing his shit. Yeah, t- tell us about it. What happens oh, yeah. here? Well, yeah, so yeah, so Floyd's you know he's still you know three hundred feet below Alaska. Um, you know, sitting in a, a hole dug by, by Superman, um, <laughs> smelling his own bucket full of shit. And he's, and you can sort of like get his kind of like almost like depressed sense of hopelessness of like, oh, I'm 300 feet underground. Oh, and, and it curves over and, you know, it's not quite, you know, it's not, uh, it's not narrow enough that I could brace my back against one wall and try to climb up. But I guess I could sort of try to, you know, climb up it you know, sort of facing the, the hopelessness of, of trying to climb 300 feet up a, you know, a rock wall. Um, and then like knowing that he would fall to his death if he did, but he's still like, well, what the fuck else am I going to do? So he's sort of like considering the, like, you know, even going ahead and making the futile effort to try to crawl out, even if it would end in his own death, just cause like he's got no other options left. So he's sitting there kind of all morose and smelling his own shit and tired of his whole world and, uh, and eating all of the, you know, can spam that Clark lawfully bought the <laughs> local five and dime <laughs> back in the age when there were things called five and dimes. Um, so yeah, so it's, you know, not going great for Floyd, but fuck him. He's a psychopath. Um, but what I like, I liked how like this scene is so sort of kind of weird and, and bizarre. So he's just sitting there like feeling bad for himself. And then like suddenly Superman shows up, but because he's like Superman with super speed, it's just more like there's just sort of an explosion of like, you know, air, of you know superman is just you know that yeah the, you know mock mock five superman you know came down your your tiny little hole in the bottom uh underneath alaska and then suddenly just like grabs floyd by the neck and i think he's just and then you can see and then he suddenly so he's got like no warning and suddenly this guy you know superman shows up and then he's like strangling floyd and he's sitting there like trying to and you could just cut sort of like this visual of just Superman is just like fucking on the edge, ready to snap. And he's just like sitting there half choking Floyd and just deciding whether or not he feels just like ripping. I mean, I guess it was phrased as sort of like, Oh, should I choke him to death? But for Superman, it would be more like, Oh, should I just, you know, rip off his head and cast it into the sun? I think he's, he's got a fist um, pulled back to punch him. Oh yeah. 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 And, it, and, and it kind of, do we cut like call back to sort of like what that was like for Calhoun? I think. I mean, I imagine except yeah. Calhoun didn't see it coming. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So we, we just kind of get this like very graphic description of like the, the potential of the nastiness that could go on if, you know, Superman is not capable of hanging onto his shit. Um, but I guess what I liked about it was like, okay, this all happens kind of out of nowhere. And then, um, and, Floyd like can't like can't breathe. He tries to say Martha. He doesn't. It's not Martha, but he, like your father or some shit. But he tries to say something to get him to like you know rejoin his humanity and decide that you know murdering somebody in cold blood is a bad idea. Um, but like all that, I, what I liked about all of this was like how quickly it just sort of like shows up and then leaves and then like it's gone. He's just he's like sitting there just, just trying to decide whether he's gonna kill Floyd with his bare hands and then he. And we kind of get the impression that he barely kind of sort of decides that like, okay, I'm not still some guy, you know, I'm not yet some guy that will just murder people. Um, and so then he let Floyd's live and then he just flies the fuck out. So it's this like super quick scene of like, oh, I'm going to show up out of nowhere, strangle you a little bit, 
consider for like three seconds about whether or not I feel like killing you, decide that I'm not going to kill you and then fly the fuck out and there's no conversation with you. And so it's this very, like, it's a really great demonstration of like, uh, like, okay, Superman's right on the fucking edge and is not dealing well and he could really use a hug. And the like badness of like, oh, and this is just really bad for everybody involved. Like if Superman loses his shit, that's not going to end well for anyone. Um, and it's like all super fast. Like, I think it's only like a page or two for this, this scene. Um, yeah, it's like three paragraphs. Yeah, like it's it's, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really, uh, I yeah, it's, I, what I love about it is uh, everything you said, plus the like, like you said, the immediacy of it, like there's, there's no, there's no conversation. There's no nothing like Floyd's just sitting there thinking about climbing the hole. He's flung into the air by the sudden arrival of Superman. He's grabbed by the throat. He's looking at him. Superman's going to punch him in the face and kill him. And then he tries to say your father. And then I imagine Superman, you know, holding your, you know, pinned with, you know, hands of steel against the rock wall, you know, fist poised to punch. And it says a single tear rolled down Superman's cheek. And then he just throws him to the other side of the hole and flies away. And he like, he breaks some ribs when he crashes and stuff. And like, then boom, Superman's gone. But he, he says Superman had wanted to kill him, but hadn't been able to bring himself to throw the punch. And it's like a, it's a really great, kind of capture of the of the idea of like Clark's not a bad guy he's trying the very best he can and it's just impossible like nobody could deal constructively with the whole fucked up situation um and so it's like both like okay he's not a bad person but nobody could deal with this and so he's going to react badly and just how bad that would be so it's it's it, it's a really kind of great, like in the moment demonstration of just kind of the inevitability of how fucked up it would be to have a Superman in the world. Like nobody can be Superman. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a lot to ask, right? Like you said, you'd have to be God to be God. And um, when you're just a guy, like, the, so the other thing that I thought about when I was reading this is that, especially like with the context of later, when he's talking to Lois about how, you know, he didn't lose control and this and that, I think he went to go visit Floyd I've got, I'm of, I'm of two minds about it. I think he's like, well, I've killed people. Time to like finally kill the other guy that's been, you know, on my real short list of people I want to kill. And then he goes there and decides against it because he's not that guy. Or he went there to go see like, okay, have I snapped? If I can't keep myself from killing him, I've snapped. I'm not sure which of those it is. Yeah. Uh, well, he got, cause he kind of, he, he kind of explicitly mentioned that as, you know, one of the ways he was going to go. So yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, like yeah, that was him testing himself. Yeah, I, um, I, I can't remember. Uh, oh, yeah, he says that to Floyd earlier. But when he, when he flew back right now to go, like you know, almost kill him, I think it was. I think he was just seeing, like, okay, have I lost it yet? Or um, yeah, that, yeah, that was kind of him testing himself. Like, and I, I also like the idea, like he could just do that on a whim. Like he could be, you know, standing there in the middle of Metropolis and just decide, like, oh, have I turned myself into a murderer yet? Let me, you know, quick bump over to Alaska, <laughs> and that'll take me five minutes. Uh, and see, do I feel like snapping that guy's neck? Oh, I don't. And then I'll, you know, hop back. Yeah. Uh, it's like, um, oh yeah. I gave my analogy before of like, you know, the ex smoker who keeps a pack in their, their, their coat pocket, you know, for 20 years, <laughs> he's just, he's, he's tempting himself. Yeah. Anyway. So cut away from, from poor Floyd who lives in his hole. Again, he's an asshole, but he's, <laughs> he's got it rough there. Um, and then we go back to, to Lois and I, I like this a lot cause it's, Basically, her right after she's she's been splattered in blood. It talks about how like part of the skull hit her cheek, and she might have gotten a cut from it. Like that's that's pretty mm-hmm. grim. And like this 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 nasty. Everything that she's talking, like every interaction that she has here, 
Um, she just cuts me, she cuts right in. She's like, how many words do I have? You know, I've got, I've got the opening portion of it written on the way over. And then she's like, you know, she's in like the super all business mode of like kind of being very detached from her emotions exactly. and, and trying not to engage with the you know nastiness of what it was. She was just around right. and she's, you know, and she's got, you know, Calhoun's skull still on her skirt. I see. This is why I couldn't be a good writer. Cause like, you know, what he's, what, what Wales is doing here or Alexander, I guess is, um, He's really showing, not telling, right? It doesn't say, mm-hmm. and Lois was uh, making an effort to detach herself from her feelings and the stress of the situation by focusing on one thing at a time and focusing on her work. It doesn't say that. It just She just is doing that. And she's uncharacteristically yeah, like, bitchy when she's telling Jimmy to go buy her some new clothes. Yeah, go buy me some clothes. I like, yeah, she keeps calling him right. kid, which is a very like kind of hardball detective way to and talk. Then, and then he's like, okay, um, but Jesus Christ, kid, are you still here? Go. And it's like, dude, that's, that's not the Lois that we know. So she is clearly stressed out. Um, <laughs> I keep thinking though, she's like, she shouldn't like, okay, Jimmy, I'm a size two or something. Like, whatever. I don't know. I don't know girl size, but like, oh, he's just going to like run off to, you know, Macy's down on the soup, the Superman equivalent of the Macy's that's not on 34th. I just like how, yeah, maybe that's what he's going to ask. Okay, but, and he's going to say, what size are you? And she's just like, go get me some fucking clothes. And he just comes back with like, I don't know, a sweater. He's going to show up with some sweats. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to, you know, okay, here's your hoodie. (laughs) I was trying to ask your size, but you snapped at me. So enjoy your your oversized hoodie. There's your hoodie in your bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I like that a whole lot. Um, So, I mean, she's yeah, but so so as but while she's like telling him like okay, get the fuck up, go get me some clothes because the grownups are working here. Um, I kind of like like Jimmy Olsen, kind of at least to me feels like the the original Jimmy Olsen. He's just sort of this like inept little immature dude that can't deal. Um, but so she sends him off to do that, and she's like typing up the like okay, you know, she just witnessed Superman execute a dude on the courthouse steps, so she's writing up that you know big ass story. Um, she has to do that draft. She does the second draft. Back of my brain was thinking like, oh, how weird is that in the world of typewriters? Um, <laughs> like, oh, your first draft have to be, has to be on a piece of paper, and then you have to make another set of papers for your second draft. Um, but she gets all that done and then goes to Perry, uh, kind of, I guess, on the assumption like, okay, this is what we do for a living, so I've written up the story. Um, but then Perry's like, oh, we've been told uh, – uh, I couldn't remember the actual – wasn't censored. Gag but, order. But basically Perry's like, yeah, gag order. That was it. But the, yeah, he's like, oh, we've been told to not say anything about this. We've been told by the chief of police, uh, that which, the president of the United States and our employer. Yeah. And uh, at least like in the back of my head too, it's like, this is all Lex. <laughs> this is entirely Lex has decided that this not ought not be reported. Although, no, I guess Lex doesn't know this. Well, Lex got the phone call and maybe he made some calls or something. Oh, so, okay. So this is within the... So Lex just found out. So this is still potentially like Lex, you know, flexing muscles to make sure like he decided we can't let this get out of the box yet. So he made sure to like tighten it all down until he could figure out what was going on. That that was what was in the back of my head was like, you know, if it, there's any sort of like message from on a high that must have come from. Lex. That's definitely possible. Maybe it was a fake call from the president or maybe it was the, you know, yeah. I, so I think. Or, you know, he's got like all the right people to influence whatever and then convince the president that he needs to make that call. I think that that's. Yeah, either that or just, you know, the president also is like, you know what? We had a plan for this too because we're not idiots. 
Um, yeah. We don't want this getting out. You know, enough. But you know, enough of the right people in the Senate get told that like their campaign contributions are going to dry up if they don't do the yeah, right thing. Something like that. And those guys call a president. And blah, blah, it blah. like so yeah, he knows all the right levers to pull. I'm thinking that definitely maybe the call from the police was led by Lex. I, I I'm wondering if the president just did it himself. But then I'm thinking uh, mm-hmm. the the radio stations went to dead air like two seconds after uh, what's his butt got what, Calhoun got killed, and so yeah. that sounds like Lex. Um, yeah. So it's like, all right, yep, yeah, especially because he could like locally influence yeah. that, and like he, he he doesn't need to go all the way up to the president to get a radio station to shut the exactly. So then what happens? Because she left her desk. Of course, there's a note sitting on her desk when she gets back to it. All yeah, right. Yeah. So she goes back up to the. Uh, back up to the roof and like, she's kind of more conscious of the whole, like, you know, Clark, you know, Superman is God and can hear everything you think. So, um, so she's already thinking, Oh, you know, let me just ask the guy, you know, why did you do this? Um, and she realizes like, Oh, she could ask him while she's still walking up the stairs. Cause he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Um, but yeah, she gets, so she gets up there and she starts talking to Clark. Clark is like, or it's funny. I keep saying that, like, if I'm if we're talking about Superman as a person, you know, not capable of coping with his situation, I keep thinking of him as Clark. Um, but no, she's talking to Superman, and what, what I like about uh, that, and he's clearly snapping. What I like about that, though, too, is that like in your head, you're doing exactly what I think what everybody else is doing, and what Lex. Mm-hmm. That's why you assume that nobody'd recognize him because Superman's not the person. Superman's the costume. Right. Yeah. Like Clark is the person. So whenever you think of whenever you're modeling Superman in a way that like, okay, what is what is Superman thinking? We're all we're all thinking, what is Clark thinking? Because Superman isn't a person with thoughts, right? Superman is yeah. just the 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 shiny suit. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, like the actual person is Clark and Clark is a person that pretends to be Superman. Right. There's no actual But Superman. like we keep unconsciously doing that. And I think that's that's what the author was was mentioning with Lex yeah. saying no one will make this connection because everyone else is doing that all the time too. Yeah. And that feels like that feels kind of connected to, cause it does feel like Lex definitely and a little bit and what we get to see in these two chapters a little bit with Lois, like they don't get, even though Lois like knows it's a, you know, Clark and she knows Clark, like they don't, they're not able to kind of connect with the, you know, human, you know, not that that's technically correct, but the person of a Clark Kent and, and how it would be for a, you know, a merely mortal person to try to cope with all of that. Like neither of them really get that. Um, and even though Lo- like Lois can see that like he's snapping and Lex can see it, but merely as a situation that needs to be dealt with, but, um, that neither of them are really able to put their head in the space of, well, what if you really had to be making these decisions every single minute of every day? What would that be like for you? Um, like they don't, they don't seem to be able to connect with that part of totally. it. Totally. And I think it's because they're not trying. Like, they, they they think of Superman as just this again. They think of him as the thing, right? And then we get to learn more about him, and it's like, oh, he was you know this kid raised in Bumfuck, Kansas, like, uh, you know. So then once once you get humanity attached to him, then it's easy. At least I'm curious about your thoughts when we get to the end of chapter twelve about their kind of when Lois and him have it out um, mm-hmm. about where you come down on that. But I'll so I'll save my my thoughts for there. But yeah. um. Anyway, she shows up. Yeah, what's, what's interesting about it is like, so we sort of, at least for me in reading it, like we get to see like Luthor's inability to be able to understand it comes across to me as like a symptom of how that, that dude is miswired. 
Like he's, he's super mechanical. He's like, you know, he's again, like this hyper competent guy. And he's got like a, I wouldn't say like a good moral compass, but he's got an accurate moral compass, at least like, like the decisions he makes aren't psycho. They're like from the, the, in the way that he understands what's going on, uh, he's making decisions that are like the quote right you know thing to think about. He's he's not you know killing Superman because oh Superman or he doesn't want to kill Superman because Superman's interfering with his you know plans for global you know domination. It's more like oh Superman is a danger to humanity and I need to you know address the issue. Um, but we but I, at least for me it comes across as like the way that Lex is able to understand what's going on is it's got some sort of like deficits in his ability to, to see it. Um, it's kind of very limited in his understanding of like how a person dealing with what Superman deals with would. Um, and then, so in that, and that part kind of sort of like fits story wise is because Lex is like the, the bad guy. And so having him having this kind of, you know, major personality defect like works as far as the story. And then what's interesting then is then we get to see for me, like the way Lois is acting, like Lois is, you know, very sympathetic and like lots of stuff to, to like about her. But then uh, it, it's reading to me like, like now let's see the ways in which Lois is actually emulating Lex and emulating the things that are kind of defective about Lex um, like her inability to understand what would that be like to be a person. Like we keep saying like human, like he's, I guess, technically not human, but like a feeling empathetic being in the cosmos, which Clark is. Um, and what would that be like to have to try to deal with that all the time? Like Lois also seems to like have failed to, to understand that. Um, and she's still sort of applying the same kind of very mechanical ethics that that Lex does about like, oh, well, no, I would just be 24-7 trying to save people because that's the right thing to do. Um, and she doesn't kind of like have any appreciation for the like, you know, how does a fallible human who has good intentions and wants to do all the right things but isn't God – um, you know, able to deal with it. Like she still doesn't get that. Um, so she still kind of applies that very um, inhuman kind of metric to, you know, how she thinks he ought to act. Yeah. When Lex is talking about Superman, he's always saying things like he doesn't understand the aliens psychology and that sort of stuff. Like he, he explicitly thinks of him as this, you know, non-human, yeah. basically non-person. Yeah. And Lex is very robotic. Right. Yeah. Like you get the the, the sense that like Lex just doesn't understand how people work. I mean, he knows enough to, you know, he, he can manipulate the, you know, the governor while acting human enough to, so I, th- I think he gets how people work. He just doesn't he, like, he's just not one of them. Right. And then <laughs> yeah. like, I think, but, but he and Lois both share the same thing with Superman where they, where they don't model him like a person. Like it, I don't think Lois has sat there for five minutes and thought, okay, I hear all the suffering in the world, but you know, I still want to have a life. Like, how do I juggle that? She, she's just thinking, you know, it's like we were talking about with uh, Mark Zuckerberg giving $70 million to that hospital. And people are like, that's not enough. And it's like, that's the biggest do- hospital donation it's ever. It's more than you gave. <laughs> and, and it's more than you gave. And like, granted, it's, you know, it's, he can give more than you can because he has more money. But do you do anything? Do you do as much as you can? No. And so, like, but but the point is, is that. Yeah, Clark and Lois have like pretty close to that exact Exactly. Yeah. But the, uh, as far as like what you were saying a second ago about how they, you know, they're not thinking of what's it like to be Superman. I don't think that either of them have actually tried. 
like to, to model him like a person with feelings and stuff like Lex kind of has, but in this weird detached way of like, well, we need to give him anchors so he doesn't want to blow up the earth. Um, yeah. And, and weirdly, I'm really with like Lex, it almost like that. Cause I do get the sense that like Lex is, uh, yeah, I keep using that phrase, Miss Why, like Lex is robotically wrong in like, like, Oh, he's not like the, he's not, he doesn't work the way humans are supposed to work. Um, but with Lois, it's more like, oh, like she could have been, but she's like failing to like live up to it. The ways in which she's emulating Lex are sort of a failure. Like she had the potential to like appreciate the human side of that um, and kind of make her decisions based on that. But she like failed to, uh, whereas Lex just sort of feels like sort of like a, like a rabid dog. Like, oh, he's just, you know, wrong. Or, like he's just fucked up. I think. Like there's no saving that, but like with with Lois, it was sort of like, oh, like she could have gotten this right and she didn't. What I, what I like about that though is I think that she does at the end of the chapter, or at the end of chapter twelve, I think she comes around and once she like because right now you know Superman has come in and told her like I'm an alien, I got here a year and a half ago um, at this point, and like you know I I he he's he's like emphatically not human, so she hasn't been trying to think of him like a person. Yeah. And then when like she and Clark talk, she's just like, oh. You grew up as a kid and got superpowers. In my mind, she like at that point understands like, oh, I don't have to think of it this way. Like, you know, I, I, I've, I've been thinking about you wrong. Like, I thought you were this, you know, basically robot from space and was wondering why you had bad programming. And yeah. well, th- uh, did it feel to you? I, I guess I didn't feel. Did it feel to you like she backed away from the judgment? Because it, it felt to me like she still judged him for you know if he wants to you know sit back and have a cup of coffee that she still judged him for the people that died while he was doing that. Um, but did it feel to you like, Oh, she then understood it and, and backed away from that. I think so. We'll have to, I'll have to see what happens in chapter 12 again. But I, I felt like at the end, you know, she could have, you know, stormed out or something and she didn't. And I, I took that as her, yeah. like I, and maybe I'm putting myself in her shoes too much and like, therefore inserting myself into what I would feel having felt everything that she felt up to this point. And I'd be like, okay, you know what? Like, now that I get that you're a person, like this changes how I'm thinking about you a lot. Um, yeah, it is. And we kind of have like, haven't gotten there yet, but it, it is like super fucked up. Like another good kind of indication of how like fucked up Lex's head is. But like Lex just like Lex pushes Lois into like, oh, you got to just try to be his girlfriend um, because, you know, he needs to have a connection to humanity. So he just, you know, won't decide that he feels like ending it. Um, but like, her like how especially because we get like such a good sense of like what a three-dimensional human lois is and that for her to be kind of like reduced to that like oh you just need to be superman's girlfriend to you know make him feel like he doesn't want to you know end girls um and that like how kind of demeaning that is to like everything lois is as a person but like that was kind of a good demonstration of like lex how sort of just super transactional lex's head is um, in, in how you deal with people, he's like, okay, this is just a good way to get, you know, to make Superman not feel like killing humans and, you know, fuck, you know, who cares what that actually means for anybody's kind of authentic experience or what that means for Lois or what that would mean for Clark's experience of Lois. He just doesn't care. He's like, okay, let's, you know, try to get the guy to feel like humans are your girlfriend. Yeah. It's, it's very, like you said, transactional is a good way to think about it, which when you think about Lex transactional is his, you know, is in his blood, right? Um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the only way he thinks of any kind of interaction with right. people. All right, you go to you go to Smallville, pretend to be a shop owner, and I'll give you five thousand dollars a week, right? 
like that that's just that's how things seem to roll with him um anyway we haven't even talked about what superman and lois talk about so she gets up there and she asks like what the fuck and he says i was angry which is kind of like duh uh, and yeah. but she's uh i i like i mean the whole, the whole interaction is painted really well like you know he's he's looking yeah i guess yeah my favorite part about it was like because it, it would have been very very easy for because uh, it's not only like how does clark kind of represent it but like even like how it's in the story that it would have been very easy to portray this as well the dude just snapped because the situation was so offensive that anybody would um he doesn't give himself he's, and he is sort of like very kind of self-critical and kind of flagellating himself of he he says like you know i'm able to basically stop time and you know there's no decision i make that's rash um i am always able to stop and think about anything even in the moment between you know you know, when I'm bunched up my fist and decide to drive it through his skull, um, I gave myself three days to, you know, stop and stare at my navel and decide whether that was the right thing to do. Um, so like in a very kind of, you know, self-flagellating kind of way, Clark's like, I, it wasn't because, oh, I was just pissed off and, and lost in the moment. I sat there and thought about, um, you know, I had my, you know, fist sprung back and trying to decide whether I'm going to end Calhoun's life. Um, and I stopped time and let myself sit there calmly and consider it for what to me felt like days. And then I decided, but it still did kind of come out as, and then I decided, ah, fuck it, fuck this guy. I'm going to end him. Um, and then he did so, but, but he didn't give himself permission to write it off as, you know, heat of the moment. He's like, no, I, I stopped and I thought about this and I did it anyway. Um, and that's probably wrong and I'm probably a bad person for having done it, but that's what it was. So I, I like that. Like his, not his, um, he wasn't going to try to like make excuses for himself. Yeah. I, uh, that's a good point that he's not, he's not writing off his behavior. I mean, he says I was angry and she's like, you've been angry before. What made this time different? And he's just like, I've been thinking too much. I've been angry too often. And, you know, he said all those hateful things and it wasn't that I snapped. I didn't lose control. If I'd punched him as hard as I could have, Metropolis would be a smoking crater. And he's like, no, I was just standing there hating the guy. And then he talks about, yeah, the, the time dilation thing he can do. And then he's sitting there meditating on Calhoun's last words, truth, justice in the American way. <laughs> and then he's like, and I think he says that, uh, you know, as, as he was sitting there thinking about, you know, what do I do about the situation? It wasn't until his his fist was halfway through Calhoun that he realized that his emotions had had their thumbs on, had had, had their thumb on the scales, yeah. which isn't to say that he's like, he, he didn't say, yeah, I guess that is kind of heat of the moment. He is kind of saying, that, yeah, right? but he gave like three minutes of heat in the moment yeah. is a long or three days or three of heat in the moment is too long. Yeah. Right. Heat, heat in the three day time dilated window. Um, That's true. so like, and he doesn't say, and I got carried away by my anger. He says, no, I thought about it calmly and consideringly for, you know, half a week. And then decided, yeah, let's yeah. fucking do it. And then as I was doing it, I was like, oh, you know what? I maybe had some emotions in there. Um, but like, it, it's not like he, you know, he, he didn't say, yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, he's definitely like taking responsibility. He's saying, this is a decision I made and I'm responsible for having made right. it. And then he's trying to think too. He's like, you know, I used to believe in redemption. I believed in the justice of the legal system. And when it failed, as it often did, I would tell myself that it wasn't my place to rush in headlong. I didn't want to be a shepherd of sheep. I wanted humanity to stand on its own two feet. And then like, uh, I was just gonna read the whole paragraph, but it's, you know, I don't want to be, there's already an audiobook, So, um, 
<laughs> he says, it's like you said, if I come to America when slaves are being sold on those very docks, would I have respected the law then? And she's like, well, I didn't mean, he's like, I know. I just, you know, um, I'm just explaining where I'm coming from. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I, it's, that's the thing is I, I couldn't let this be, a, you know, go, right? You know, humanity made the wrong decision, so I made the right one for him. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone knows that. Um, well, yeah, and it's sort of interesting later, like there's like no attempt at all. Like he very clearly committed a crime and there's no attempt at all to try to prosecute him for it. Right. And so then she's like, all right, well, what now? And he says, I need to take time off. Um, I know you'll think I'm a monster for it. She's like, I don't. And then I like this, Lois, I know you better than I think, than you think I do. I'm going to take some time off from listening to the vast suffering that I can only make a small dent in. I'll, I'll take some time for myself and think on what I really want to be. I fully expect you'll hate me for it, but I can't rush into things and make mistakes. Not when I have the power to level mountains. Um, yeah, that was weird for me because it like, as he's saying that it seemed very like that felt like, oh, you know, he's just being too hard and stuff like, oh, you'll think me a monster. Like, no dude, like nobody could cope with this. Um, and so like, so on the one hand, it felt like, okay, this is Superman being overly hard on himself and that, well, of course, you know, Lois, you know, wouldn't, you know, agree with that. And she doesn't agree with that. She says like, oh, nobody's going to think you're a monster. Um, but, but she actually kind of does like what the worst thing he thinks about what she will think. She kind of maybe not quite as bad as what he thinks, but she does judge him because she is kind of like working from that same kind of like you know, mechanical Lex way of looking at it that she, you know, judges his, you know, inability to, you know, stick to the script. Um, yeah. As like a failing. And, and, and I guess, and, and she says it later, like she thinks that she herself would be able to constantly be like on task and doing the right thing all the time. Yeah. I think at this point in my mind, and I, I'm not saying my reading is, is more right than yours. I think, I think that yours makes a lot of sense and I think they're, they're close. I just, for me, I'm thinking that like, Still at this point, she's not thinking about him like a person with feelings. Like she still abstracts out Superman into being, you know, just this force that can stop all the bad things if he tries hard enough and he's just choosing not to. And that's all that she thinks of his psychology. And like, it's, it's not until later that she's like, oh, he's a human and I need, I can start thinking about him as a person with feelings. And I think that she's lying when she said, when he says, I know you'll think I'm a monster. And she's like, I won't hate you for it. I think that she will, right? Like she, she's just trying to placate him. Even that she says, um, I'll be here for you when you come back. We all will. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part that felt like uh, in this. And then the next chapter, the part that was like super uncomfortable is like Lois very explicitly gets into this, like, okay, we're just going to try to like jerk Clark along. Um, and so she gets into this very manipulative state of just, you know, saying everything that she thinks he wants to hear. And even when he catches her at it, um, and she's, it's still for her. She's like, okay, well, I need to come clean, but like, how clean do I need to come clean? Like, so I'll just tell him enough truth to make it sound like it's true. Um, because she's still sort of like basically stick. I don't know if she's consciously thinking at this point, like, oh, we're trying to kill Superman. Uh, but she's definitely like not on his side. I'm glad you pulled that out. Um, um like, cause in this, and I meant to make a note of this and I forgot that, um, you know, when she goes back to Lex after this, she says, is there any way to stop him? And then in chapter 12, once she's been hanging out with Clark Kent for a week and she knows he's Superman Mm. in her head, she thinks, is there a way to bring him down to like the mortal level or something? It it stops becoming about, can we stop him? And like, just, can we make him less of a danger? I think that she's moving away from like the, we need to kill him and more just like he needs to, we need to contain this, which is an important distinction, right? 
Well, yeah, I guess to me, it feels like she's more in just kind of some like desperation mode of like, okay, this is a problem we need to make go away. And I don't know how, and I guess I don't, to me, it doesn't feel like she's, she's made any sort of decision with herself that like, oh, we can't kill Clark. Um, it's just like, she kind of doesn't know what to do. Like, you know, we just need to make this like, it is fucked up that Superman, if, you know, he's getting ready to snap. And if he does, that would be really bad. Um, cause like, to me, it doesn't feel like, it seems like she would be on board with killing Clark if it seems like that's the only way out of the situation. I get the, I get the, and she doesn't still doesn't, like, she's a little more sympathetic to him, but she doesn't still doesn't particularly like him. Uh, and she's becoming increasingly pissed off as she, as she sees as she sees all of the kind of things he says, you know, while he's doing the Clark lie, she's like, Oh, that was a little inside joke right. for herself. And that was a little like funny thing. She's like, Oh, fuck you, dude. Like she's becoming like less and less sympathetic to him as, time passes i think you might be right and in, in my mind i'm thinking that like if she had two buttons one is kill superman and one is make him a muggle i think that right now she might press the kill superman button and that by the end of chapter 12 she would press the make him a muggle button instead i think in my mind maybe i'm just too nice well, i guess she, she was probably i guess uh no i guess i've always felt like she would like the muggle button she would always pick but like she as she's getting increasingly desperate she doesn't think that make him a muggle as an option and she's becoming increasingly okay with the idea of just killing him. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying is that, that in her, her thoughts go the other direction though. She, she like in the first, in when she's talking to Lex earlier, she says like, can he be stopped? And then later she's thinking, can he be brought down to, to mortal level? So like it's, it's, it, her thinking even stops oh, yes. becoming about, can we kill him? It's about, can we at least, stop, you know, like make him stop being so dangerous? Um, but we'll see. Um, I like the the various interpretations, though. Um, anyway, so I, I wanted to get to this exciting part because this is where uh, she's on her way back down from the roof. And she's thinking about like, oh, that was a Bible, uh, you know, allegory there with the shepherd or sheep business. And um, and then she's like, oh, you know, I guess he, he really did take a lot of, you know, he took seriously about studying human culture and stuff. And then she was like, you know, that sounds like just exactly the kind of thing like Clark would say. Like, wait, wait, is that Dean Cain? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. He sounds just like Clark. Oh, wait a minute. Clark looks just like fucking Superman. Um, the Dean Cain bit is another John wish- Mulaney joke, which I'm glad is such a recurring element. <laughs> I get like, I would like, and this is just sort of like the core conceit of the Superman story is that like, no, we're all just supposed to like, let go of the idea that Clark Kent looks exactly like fucking Superman. Uh, I wish we had just sort of like, let, like, and this totally would have been fine. Cause it's not like we would have been demanding anything more from anybody than you ever had to with, with, you know, looking at the Superman story, but like we kept like kind of poking at it and staring at it, like kind of applying all the same kind of rationality things around what is and is not plausible. It's like, you need, we really, if we weren't, and I would have been like totally on board if like, if we were going to come up with like, Oh, there's some like secret Kryptonian power to like fuck with people's heads and make them, you know, there's the Kryptonian gaslighting power that he has. Like we could have like done that. And especially like if we were going to go there and keep like pointing it out, like then you needed to do that. But so I'm still kind of disappointed that like, you know, we either needed to just continue to hand wave it or, you know, come up with, you know, some reason for it. But like we, we looked right at it and looked at the, you know, the implausibility of it. And then, but we still stuck with the same story of just like, Oh, I guess if you like put on thick glasses and slouch, nobody's going to (laughs) notice. Uh, which is just fucking uh, all right i guess two thoughts it's bullshit. All right. one 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 thought is that a 
it's still possible that there's Kryptonian mind or gaslighting powers and she just broke the spell. I, you know, I would I straight up, straight up like hope that's the case because that like seems like the best out. All right. Me. Well, we can hold on to that. But I still think that like, I mean, if if, if my co- if, if a guy that looks like my coworker started, you know, catching meteorites and whatever, throwing cars, I would be like, hey, you look like the guy in the in the tights downtown who's throwing cars and, and doing Superman stuff. And like, I mean, they, they even have that conversation here where uh, or she, she's thinking about like how she used to jab, jab Clark a few times about, uh, you know, hey, you know, you spend some time on athletics and you might rival Superman because like he looks kind of like him. Right. And I in my mind, I'm thinking that like, you know, I, I look at Clark Kent and I look at Superman on TV or even in real life. And I'm like, there's no way that Clark could convince me he was Superman unless he started doing Superman stuff in front of me. Like uh, if, if I asked him, hey, take off your glasses and stand up straight, I'd be like, yeah, I kind of see it, but I'm not I'm not buying that you're actually this 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 God man. Right. Uh, well, are you making your voice deeper? No, you are. You're imitating the God man. It's weird. Oh, I'm not. <gasps> he just did it again. This is my voice. I, I think that. See, so and that 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 theory sort of kind of works, except that Lois is the single human on the planet with the most exposure to either Superman or Clark. And so like she sees them more than any other person. Like she's the person, Clark is the person she works with day in and day out all day. It's not even going to be, there's no level of cosplay that Clark could put himself in that she's not going to be like, dude, Clark, like, why are you dressed up like an orc from Fellowship of the Ring? Like she's still going to be like, oh, look, it's fucking Clark dressed up like an orc. But like he's, but his only cosplay is that he took off his glasses <laughs> and put his little curly p- bit of hair down on his forehead. Like and, that's and, it, you know. Like, and change, changes the cadence, cadence of his voice and his posture. But more importantly, yeah, sure. yeah, acts, okay, acts like a completely different person. Like I, yeah, but yeah, but yes, yeah, no. It'd be like, oh look, there's Clark acting like a completely <laughs> different person. Oh, like oh look at that way more confident person that looks exactly like Clark Kent. I think I think that's it's where just, she was at. Kind of no, it's not even close. It's just not. Even I think close. that she even says, "Hey, you look kind of like Superman," and like it's a joke uh, because in her mind she sees you know it's impossible to look at Clark, look at Clark and think that he was anything but an oaf, right? And so yeah, you see yeah, you see your just, oafish coworker. Just, just, All right, just 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 nice. that was like okay, like and you you could totally like run like we. And every like Superman story has run with that. It's like, okay, that's the theory that's going to explain it. But, uh, but because this is sort of like a little more rational, it's like we stared right at it. We like pointed right at it and we did nothing about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to call that a flaw. Like, so yeah, that totally works as like a, a story thing. You can, that is within the reach of the suspension of disbelief. But if you're going to rely on the suspension of disbelief, you can't keep poking right at it and pointing it out and not coming up with some like better reason. Like it's either, you know, hand wave or come up with some good explanation for it, or just don't keep beating us over the head with it. But it kind of did both like beat us over the head and fail to explain it. I, I was satisfied with the explanation. I can see how you aren't. And that's totally fair and fine. I think for me, like, it does a good enough job setting up like how weird it would be to imagine that the guy that sits next to you and pokes at his typewriter with two fingers is the same guy that can punch mountains into molehills. And, but that is pretty much, I mean, that's based, that is exactly what every Superman story has done to try to explain it. 
If you say so, I, I haven't it's seen that many. Like it, has, so. it hasn't changed. Well, yeah, but I mean, but there's never been any better explanation for why would no, you know, why would nobody recognize that Clark looks just like? Superman? I see. There's, there's kind of it's just always been like, don't look at it. So it's it's no different than any other, but definitely different in that we have talked about it way more. Um, so if you were going to talk about it more, you got to come up with a better reason about it. Um, I think that it. I think that it by shining a light on it. And saying like, look, this is a a way that a human psychology could anal- could analyze the situation reasonably. I I I give it a pass. I I I rather enjoy the reveal, like the way that she she has it. And I I wasn't dissatisfied with the lack of like. And again, for all we know, there is some cool thing behind it. I'm not telling you there's not. I'm just saying that like, if there wasn't, I'd be fine I, with I, it. I would hope so. It, it's it's since we've only got one chapter left, it, it seems like we're probably not going to get it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess at least like the explanation for why does nobody notice in this story is exactly the same as the explanation in every other story. It's just like, oh, well, I guess nobody notices or he slouches some, um, like we're relying on all the same ideas that all of the other stories did, but, but sticking it under more of a microscope than other stories ever did. Fair enough. But won't that just seem like a guy talking to himself? No, because the screenwriter guy's gonna have glasses, and that's gonna make you seem like a completely different person. Yeah, I mean, it works for Superman. That's a good point. That's that's valid. I think we've had it out a couple times on that throughout the throughout the whole show, <laughs> which is fun. I just I I feel like I've said everything I wanted to say on the subject, and I got a, a good excuse to shove in one of the sound clips I wanted to shove in. So that's that's my only goal. <laughs> um, all right. So like, she's on the way down. She's she's realizing this, and then like she's putting all these things that are clicking into place. Right. And she's like trying to kick herself saying that there's no way I'm that dumb, but no, hold on. Like this makes sense. This makes sense. She remembered Clark flinching when she said something about like Superman, not being totally emotionless when he came across the scene of brutal violence, Clark hadn't been flinching because he was a naive Midwestern farm boy. He'd been flinching because he'd been remembering and like, she's just putting it like all together and then yeah i really like the the sense of like as she's realizing this that she has to also have in her head they're like oh and also he hears everything i'm saying right now right so she's just um, saying so she has to kind of like play it yeah so she's constantly in this like oh you have to like sound convincible yeah so um, she, she while she's having this realization she collapses in the stairwell and is like got her you know her face in her hands and then she's like calhoun deserved it yep that's what i'm sad about um Yep, yeah, I know. It's it's such a creepy feeling of like, oh, you've got to come up with like some plausible, you know, explanation for how you're just feeling in that moment that is not the actual reason. Speaking of creepy feelings, yeah, it's very, I, I like the the next example she comes up with where she was thinking that a few weeks after Clark Kent shows up in Metropolis, she like took a sailor home and did things that uh, good Catholic yeah. women aren't supposed to do. And the next day, Clark is super pissed at, you know, has a bad mood towards her. And know, she, she at the time thought creepy. that maybe he had seen her flirting with a guy or something. And then she was like, "The fuck! He he, he might have been watching me. Fuck that oh, dude! He was watching me. Fuck yeah, <laughs> that's creepy. So I know, right? Like, I like how like sort of intrusive in your whole world that would feel. Yeah, you know. So she she flitted through her memories of Clark Kent, the reporter, and found one of him hunched over paperwork of his taxes. People had been dying, and he'd been filing his fucking taxes. He'd sat in on boring meetings about style standards. People literally burned to death, and." So what I love about this is that she is very understandably like just, you know, ice cold blood fury. Right. And then, I mean, in my mind, again, maybe I'm just too charitable and nice and naive or something, but as, as we come to learn in the next chapter that, you know, he's not an alien who likes pretending to be a reporter, 
he's a reporter with superpowers who feels like he has to do more than just, you know, what he wants to do, which is, you know, be a reporter guy. So he's like, okay, I'll put on a suit and, and stop crime, but only as much as I feel like I can do. I feel like that, that totally for me flips the, the, my emotion towards the guy. Right. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. And because she, like, she's both able to kind of appreciate more where he's coming from, but also like, but then also failing to understand it. Like, um, so she's, kind of has more of a sense of what that must be like for him, but at the same time kind of imagining that she herself would react to it much better, which kind of feels like, no, like nobody would like he's, he's not reacting better or worse than anybody would. Um, and that like, yeah, you just how impossibly fucked up that whole situation would be for anybody. Yeah. I, I really like when we kind of get the, the other lens on it, but we're not there yet. So um, I want to leave me something to talk about for chapter two or chapter 12 rather. So, um, I, she's just thinking like, why the hell would he do this? You know, he had cheated his way to the top. And I like how that's like kind of the final straw. That's when she's coldly furious. It's like, you know, I worked hard at this and this guy shows up and he fucking cheated. Like, I know. Yeah. At least to me that I came came across kind of petty. And I guess like there is just like whatever kind of obnoxious 1930s sexism she would have been having to face. But it did seem to me like, really? Like that's the thing you're going to be pissed off about is that, you know, he climbed up the, (laughs) <laughs> the newsroom ladder faster than well you. i think that i i my mental model of lois like you said it's it's the fact that she worked so hard to overcome everything to get to where she's at and then this guy comes in and does it with with insane ease because he can eavesdrop on every conversation in the city and so like she's just like i mean i think the other thing is that like that's the most tangible bit right like the rest is like i can't believe this guy is doing the superman business and they're like you know wait He's competing with me at the thing I care the most about, not because he's good at it, but because he's fucking cheating. Like that, that's like another dimension. What's funny about that though, like, you know, like, but the sort of like the Lex way that she kind of misunderstands him is like kind of doing that, you know, ethical algebra around like, okay, this, you know, this many people die because of everything he does. But so like, and that's kind of the basis on which she's judging him. But then sort of compare that to like, oh, but he's, you know, out competing you in the corporate environment kind of stacks up as pretty like, you know, lame compared to Owen oh, people. Oh, totally. Dying. I'm just saying it's like more terrestrial and less abstract. Right. So like, yeah. you know, no, but that's like, they kind of have like equal weight in her head. Like she's as pissed off about the fact that he's quote, you know, quote cheating at being a reporter as she is about like, oh, and people are dying. I mean, she gives one sentence to the cheating thing. I think for me, it's more just like the straw, you know, or like just another straw on the back. Right. Or, or just like, for me, I think that, you know, off saving lives is like you said, it's the, the ethical algebra, but then there's this one tangible thing in her actual real life that she goes to do every day that like, and he's also fucking me over on this. Are you fucking kidding me? It's one thing. For me to abstractly think about people he could be saving, but another thing entirely, you know, to it'd be like working with Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, you give 10% of your income to charity and he gives 5%. And even though he could afford to give 95% and you're like, okay, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, wait a minute, he bribed his way to, to, to this job where I had to work for it. That come on, man, fuck you. Like, I think, I think it's kind of mm-hmm. like that. It's not like, it's, it's not like they're the same <laughs> level of. Uh, a thing it's just like one is like a this is my life now too right yeah but i think i just do this thing too where i really get in characters heads um it makes <laughs> me really I, I for me it's like my favorite way of enjoying stuff like I, I i watch a show or read a book and i put myself in like the emotional center of where i imagine the character is and so whether i'm right or wrong about what she's actually thinking actually she's not thinking anything she's a character in a book so she's thinking what i'm telling her to think 
or what I'm imagining that she's thinking and I'm enjoying it. So. Yeah. I like, I mean, cause it seems like, like she's kind of like a, a counter to Clark. Like, so Lex is like, just like a fucked up person and like not working right. Um, but like we see Clark as, well, of course nobody would be capable of, you know, coping with the situation. And then we also, and then we see Lois is like, okay, like we still see Lo- like Lois is a fundamentally good person, but sort of also failing to, you know, react to everything perfectly. So it's like, we're not, we're not like trying to, you know, paint everything that Lois does as like the quote, you know, right way to interpret no, it. Totally. But she's still like, like her, the ways, the ways that she's sort of like being fallible are understandable. Um, and, and, and you can still sympathize with them. Like it doesn't kind of like rob her of like her humanity or your kind of desire to like her. Character. No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, she happens to be a good person, which makes it easier to, to really like her. But like, I liked Walter White a lot in Breaking Bad and the guy's a monster, but I can put myself in his <laughs> head and be like, okay, yeah, I see why he's thinking this and why he's doing that. He's totally, you know, just having a power trip and he's loving every second of it. And so I can imagine that. And that makes the, the, that character enjoyable for me, but I also don't have to like him as a person. I would hate to know Walt in real life. Like pathological liars are terrifying. <laughs> See, I need to, I, that, that's one of those shows where I'm like, Oh, I should totally like that show. And I probably will. But yeah, where I sort of like, don't understand why I didn't get into it. But, yeah. So it's on the list. It was sort of like arrested development. Like once I watch it, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is really good. I don't know why I never watched it. But. Yeah. I remember when they did like the recap season or like the, 15 years later, a season of Arrested Development. And it was so bad that like they recropped it and then released it again. Cause like they couldn't <laughs> get any of the actors in the same set. So like it, it was just like all these disjointed scenes. Anyway, um, speaking of pathological, pathological liars, she gets back down to the newsroom and who's there, but our boy Clark Kent. She's like, Oh, hi Clark. Her rather. Uh, <laughs> I know. Like how that was, I, I kept wondering like, oh, wouldn't you be able to tell that like she could now tell, like when, but I guess it's like every other time that he's ever interacted with her. But I would like I sort of like putting my head in her in her head was kind of the, like oh he should like oh now I recognize that this is the same dude I was just talking to. Like, wouldn't he be able to tell that I'm also like don't feel like I've context which switched at all? But like oh you're just like the same guy but now in a suit and tie with glasses. I wonder like. And and I want to well t- and don't let me forget this. Actually, let's put a pin in it because I'm curious. At the end of chapter or near the end of chapter twelve, he asks her, "When did you figure it out?" I don't know what gave her away. Like maybe it is the fact that he's that she's looking at him differently now or the whole week. Oh, how did he know that she? Knew? Right, yeah. Because he asks her, "Like when did you figure it out?" I'm like, "Wait, how did he know that she figured it out?" Uh, so hold I on, I, I want to. Yeah, I want to. I mean, we we can talk about it now. I just want, also wanted to make sure we talk about that when it comes up. But I wanted to finish this last thought, which was. Uh, um, when she walks in and she's looking at him all pissed or whatever, like the context shifts, like you said, I, I wonder if she's masked it correctly by like, she's obviously been crying. She went through a lot. And so maybe, you know, he sees he's, they make eye contact and she looks pissed and, and all freaked out. And he's like, is she pissed and freaked out? Cause she knows it's me. Or is she pissed and freaked out? Cause she watched Superman slash me punch somebody through the, you know, through the face. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just on a roll. Yeah, I guess because what he the way he verbalizes it is um, because like and one of the things he values about her is her kind of honesty, even when it's uncomfortable. And that and that's the big change um, prompted by by Lex, the conversation she's about to have with Lex. Like she starts playing him like she's actively trying to manipulate him to try to like be his girlfriend so that he doesn't want to kill humans. 
Um, and I think that's what he picks up on. Like the, the thing he likes most about her is kind of like unflinching honesty. And that's the thing that changes. And so I think that's what clues him in that like, okay, something's, something's off. Um, so I would like it probably at the point that he's like, okay, when, you know, when did you figure it out? That's probably also the point that she started acting in a way that let him know that she had. You didn't find her cover story convincing that like, oh, you know, uh, it just happened to be the day after Superman left that I thought that my nice coworker, you know, I realized he wasn't such an oaf after all. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, yeah. And just like, and sort of like the, the way, like all of her reactions to him then at that point become like sort of overly sympathetic, you know, they kind of overly forgiving of, of anything that, that might be going on with him. Like, um, you know, all the, all of the things that she used to find off putting about him are suddenly not important anymore. So like, like you could tell, and it was like another good way that we keep saying like Clark is neither, you know, some kind of super genius, nor is he stupid. He's, you know, he's a, a relatively smart, canny person, but like within the bounds of what any sort of regular human could be. Um, but that doesn't mean like, you know, you can't just kind of pull bullshit over. Him. Yeah. He's not a magic wizard genius. I think that, you know, his one major perk is that he can basically give himself all the time in the world to think about something. Yeah. Um, but he is smart, like he, and he's you know able to have kind of mature, complex Absolutely, thoughts. Absolutely, yeah. Probably um, because he's but, you know if he slowed down time just to sit there and think through stuff, he's like five hundred years old, right? Like, yeah, I mean, if if I could basically stop time to think over an issue as long as I wanted, I would be cognitively much older than I actually am. Yeah. yeah so he's he's got he's got the wisdom of a of a you know centuries old philosopher. Yeah, and I like that because because like. Lex is a little bit sort of like quarrelish and so he's kind of unrealistically hyper competent. Uh, it's not, you know, quite to the same extent, but, but it, it is a little bit there. Like Lex has kind of got his shit a little more together than you would find believable. But, but like Clark is still sort of like quite respectably, like he's not at all an idiot and is, you know, able to figure out, you know, fairly complicated things, but, but it's still all, you know, believable and like, okay, you know what? Any kind of reasonably smart person would be able to do that. Well, no, I wouldn't say not anybody, not any reasonably smart person, but like, oh, like, oh, this is a smart guy. He's able to figure things out, but, but I believe that. Yeah. He's, it's not a superpower. He's just, you know, he's a smart guy. I mean, it it stretches credulity, but that's kind of the point. And I, you know, he's, he's, I, I think that, and I don't know if Alexander used these words or not, but I know that, um, Yudikowsky's writing philosophy on, fan fiction was that you can't give Frodo a lightsaber unless you give Sauron a Death Star. Uh, like you can't level up the bad guy without leveling up the hero or vice versa. So I think that I'm not sure how competent Lex is supposed to be. And I haven't seen the movies. Everyone, and I, I will eventually, I promise I'll watch the 1978 one that everyone says is great. Um, <laughs> but so I'm not sure how smart Lex is. I didn't give Lex a lot of genius points in uh, Batman versus Superman. So that's, the, that's mainly the Lex I'm working with. And like this one, we've got a a really interesting, compelling Superman. Well, we can't put him against the "I'm a bad guy who kicks puppies" Lex Luthor, right? So we've got to level him up too. Um, I guess I'm a I'm a, I'm a bad guy who yeah, kicks funny, puppies, like and I've got a lot of money, right? Ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, we've uh, we haven't leveled them up in the same way. Like we gave well, Superman is just Superman, but um, it's not like we didn't make Superman you know, the same level of evil genius as Lex Luthor. Right. Yeah. That would have been a different story entirely. Right. Yeah. It totally works. I mean, yeah, it's again, I mean, and this is kind of the same thing with any superhero story. He's, Lex Luthor is not at all believable in terms of like, you wouldn't actually ever find a human in the real world that was, you know, as smart and powerful as Lex Luthor, but like story-wise and like it is, 
but in that he has to kind of fit this kind of, you know, Greek tragedy kind of character of, you know, being, you know, he's, he fits an archetype and, uh, and so then it, it does work, but, um, so we're not trying to sell it as like, you know, believable and in some kind of, you know, actual real world sure. scenario. I mean, this is a Superman fan fiction, but, right? So we're, we're writing it in that context. <laughs> I, I do like this line. So Clark is there and he's like, are you okay? And she's like, fine. And then she's like, how is Smallville? Small. I'd forgotten how small. I don't know why. I love that line. Yeah. That's a good line, yeah. Um, and then he's like, hey, you know, I heard stuff happened and are you okay? And she's like, no, can I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. You do, you're here to do work? Great. Um, and then she's, uh, I just, I just like the um, kind of, she, she doesn't want to interact with them for too long. So she gets the fuck out of there yeah. and it's been a long day. So and then she goes home. You know, and that, that also probably could, that could be like that interaction there could have been where like Clark, you know, that could have been one of his first clues. Like, Oh shit, she's figured it out. I wonder. Yeah. It's tough. Cause like, I, I think everything adds up as like clues, right? Like that's not enough to make me, if I'm Superman, if I'm Clark rather enough for me to think she's nailed it, but it might be, it might be a piece of evidence. And at some point you just get enough of those to finally tip. Right. Yeah. Where he's like, Oh, this is probably right. good. So, um, then she goes home and takes a shower and tries not to imagine Clark Kent staring at her. Um, I like this too. She says Lois could almost understand the anger that Calhoun must have felt, the desire to hurt the creature's feelings in Lou being able to damage his physical form. Lois wouldn't be so stupid as to give into that temptation. <laughs> but yeah, I like you, you could totally kind of like get that though. It's like, oh, there's nothing I can do to this guy, right? You know, so you kind of like, fall. yeah. And so then, what she go do? Well, she goes and talks to Lex, and um, like he's sitting there already trying to think of ways to like uh, get her into presumably work on a plan to get her to get, you know, super, or kryptonite near Superman. But then he's like, Oh great. She's here. Um, I also like, yeah. And then she tells him, she's like, Oh, like, Oh, cause she doesn't know that he knows that Clark is Superman. Exactly. Um, so she just like tells him like, Oh, like he has a secret identity and I'm close to it. Um, and so we're still sort of like, you know, degrees of separation away from uh, levels of deception. But like, so, Lex has to be like, oh shit, you know who he is, but he has to pretend like he doesn't know uh, who he is. There was the line in here uh, that summarizes Lex. I love so much. He says, um, so she, she does the note thing. Is there still no way to stop him? And he watched her carefully. He had not as yet given her any rope to hang him <clears> with. <laughs> and so like this whole time he's like still playing, like he's on the up and up. Right. Um, but I, and, I, and yeah, we, and we've come this far in the story and he still hasn't like outed himself. Like he still has plausible deniability on Exactly. Him. Although we do at the vet, like the last line from this chapter, we like, Oh, it's possible that Clark has known all along at the end of chapter 12. Yeah. yeah. I just like it. I just like the, the phrase. He had not given her any rope to hang him with, <laughs> which is like to say, I have not, I have not yet, you know, if the court will read back the transcript, I've not yet confessed to any <laughs> crimes. Um, so then uh, this where, yeah, she says that, he has a secret identity that I'm in close contact with. And he's just like, okay, I didn't think that she would tell me that, you know, did he tell her what's going on? And we don't actually get to know what she tells him about that. He just says, tell me more. And then we get other, we yeah, cut, cut commercial. commercial. All right. Chapter 12. And we cut to Jimmy Olsen, poor guy. Oh, actually. Yeah. Oh, and then one of, one of the things we had stopped, one of the things that Clark had said to Lois on the rooftop was that, you know, basically, oh, I need some me time. Uh, and he's super like critical of of himself. They're like, "Oh, Lois is going to think I'm a monster." Um, but so that's kind of like the this is now the how that plays out is chapter twelve opens up with 
that, oh, there has been no Superman for a week. Um, and then the kind of the whole world's like, oh, hey, what's going on? Right. I was going to say poor Jimmy, but he's got a girlfriend. He and that, uh, that PI are still hanging out. Was it the same? I, I, I kept thinking, I get it must have been, but uh, it didn't, it wasn't like totally clear that that's what it was. I mean, you'd have to remember their name is Eleanor. That's the only uh, indicator. But yeah, that's her. So that's. Oh, wasn't she a redhead? That's the only way I'm going to yep, remember. But they don't mention her red hair. <laughs> they didn't mention her again. I mean, clearly, if it was the same woman, they would have mentioned her again. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm curious if Eleanor is still spying on Jimmy for no reason. Cause like, it seems like what Lex wanted was where's Clark from. And he got that. It like, so do they, do they hit it off? Yeah. I like, I like, yeah, that could have, and that could go either way. Like you definitely would think, okay, Lex would definitely like keep her on the payroll to keep doing that. But like, also I, I like how they put that in and it felt to me like just sort of a little background bit of character development, but like, like, Oh, this is a decent person. So like both of those feel believable that like she also may just be going out with him because she kind of liked him, but yeah, we don't really know. Like, it, yeah, that could go either way. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Sorry. I got distracted. All right. So it's not a double date and, um, let's see. Except it kind of is. Right. Yeah. It, you know, it's cause she's definitely, yeah. Cause Lois is definitely there only be like, this is us like realizing it. Cause it wasn't like that was said in the end of the last chapter, but like, but like Lex has told, we're able to kind of figure out as this plays out that Lex has told Lois like, like, oh no, you need like to start coming on to Clark so that you can like get him to like humans. Yeah. Um, she's and she's on board with it very problematically and conflicted about it, but she's, she's playing along, but she really doesn't like the whole thing. And I don't think that we get confirmation that Lois told Lex who Superman is. Uh, I th- it, uh, my my sense was that she definitely did. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she did. So uh, yeah, I so guess, they both know, but so they don't. Then I guess, but she yeah, doesn't know so, that he knows. Yeah, yeah, and so I get, yeah, I guess Lex would have been pressuring her to like, oh, well, then you need because she did say like, oh, it's somebody I'm close to. So he would have been able to kind of pressure her to get closer to him while pretending to not know who that was. Exactly. But since he does know who that was, he's like, okay, can I get her to like try to go out with Clark? Um, so yeah, so yeah, he's kind of like playing both both ends of that but but that would still work he'd be able to pull that off Love it. yeah and you definitely get the sense and, and it is like this very weird conflicted thing that like like this bullshitting clark like is hard for her both because like she doesn't she still doesn't quite like him but she does feel a little more sympathetic to him than she used to uh, but that it also just kind of rubs up against her just like this is not the kind of person she likes to be both from just like a genuine like oh i don't like being a manipulative person like this but it just kind of doesn't fit her vibe of just kind of this you know competent woman of the 80s right <laughs> uh that like yeah like just being the the eye candy arm trophy for Clark is not what she wants to be. And it's not what she's even good at trying to pretend to be. So this all feels, you know, very uncomfortable and, and out of sorts for her. Um, and she, but she's still trying to pull it off. And I, and I do kind of like how, how you do, I, we, we didn't ever really see that, but I definitely felt to me, this all felt like, Oh, she's being pressured into this by Lex and she agrees with the necessity of it, but she really, really doesn't like it. So I kind of liked uh, kind of the how authentic the discomfort she felt. Was. That's my vibe too. I, uh, I, I, I think that. I mean, she, she may have come to the same conclusion herself with or without Lex pressure about like, yep, I need to give Superman anchors, and now I know how. But I mean, because she's, she's already kind of chumming up to Superman, right? So now it's just chumming up to Clark. I wouldn't think it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. This to me definitely felt like oh, this was uh, 
originated from Lex because I wouldn't think like, yes, yeah, she would ag- agree with the logic of it, but I, I wouldn't picture Lois as having, you know, arrived independently at the conclusion of like, oh, now I should become the, you know, feminine romantic figure for Clark and should come onto him. Like that's so like alien from her own perception of who she is in the universe that like it wouldn't have, even if she is like gone completely, you know, manipulative and, and, you know, just, trying to do whatever it needs to get done. Like that's not how she sees herself. Like even if she is trying to like just turn herself into a weapon, like that's not the kind of weapon she visualizes herself as. Yeah. I mean, I, she, she already was doing that with Superman though. Like, and she, she already had those kind of inner conflicts about it. So I think, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I guess. So. But yeah, I guess I, I, it just feel, it, it keeps kind of like, I can very much connect with her conception of like, it's just, like an unnatural act for her. She's like, this is not the thing I am. Like not even so much that she like, you know, devalues it, but she's like, I am not, you know, like eye candy, hot chicky babe. Like that's not what I'm good at. Um, so she doesn't like even really see it as like a valuable use of herself. Even if she is trying to be medieval, she's like, this is, you know, being the the thing to try to make, you know, some guy think that like, Oh, I shouldn't kill humans because humans are hot. Um, like that's not how she sees it. Like she's not a good example of that in her head. Oh, whoops. Whoopsie. You went mute. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Um, I was raising my desk, but I shouldn't have done anything. Let me make a note. Anyway. Yeah, I I guess I don't know where uh, exactly Lois's head is at. Um, like, I think that maybe it was different when she was closing up to Superman because it's like, well, all right, I'll, I'll befriend the alien so he doesn't blow us all up. But now, oh, and I forgot to call this out too. In the last uh, chapter, she calls him Clark the Deceiver in her head. And so like now it's much more personal, right? Now it's not warming up to the alien who for some reason has this infatuation with me. It's uh, warming up to this bizarre liar who's been, you know, pretending to be a reporter next to me for the last year and a half. And now, so. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, yeah, and like on the one hand, you can sort of sympathize with like, oh, well, you know, Clark just like he needs to have, you know, an alter ego to pretend to be. Um, so you can kind of sympathize with that, but then all the stuff she notices about like when he's making little inside jokes to himself, uh, which is a thing by the way, that I totally do with myself. Like I'm the only person that understands the context of the joke I just made, (laughs) but, but like how, but like manipulative that is, she's like, Oh, you motherfucker. Like you could also totally like empathy. You're like, Oh yeah, no, I get it. Like, Oh, he, he's being like very satisfied with himself about the clever little joke that he just made. Fuck. Yeah. And so like the, so you can kind of like you can see both sides totally. Of and the joke set up here was like, uh, so Jimmy's like, "What? He's gone forever?" And she's like, "Oh, it won't be forever. He'll probably come back." And Clark is like, "Well, it's been a week. Maybe he'll figure out what is that. Maybe what he'll figure out is that he just just doesn't want to help people anymore." And then she's like, "No, he still cares. He still thinks of himself as an American, and there hasn't been that much backlash." And then he's like, "Don't you, you motherfucker!" And, <laughs> and then he's like, "You're the expert." Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Um, and so I also, I'm kind of curious, Clark is saying that maybe what Superman will figure out is that he doesn't want to help people. Like, do you think that's what, Cl- that's, do you think that's what Superman is thinking? Like that he's just done with this? No. And I think that's why he would have said that. Like, that's like, he understands that is, that's never going to be, be the outcome. It may be that he figures out he can't be the person that does it, does it. But like, he always knows like, that's kind of a, at least for me, like that, that's, part like that's the authentic part of his wonder bread that he that he always understands himself as somebody that would want to like he he's always been approaching this from 
from the perspective of somebody that wants to do the most good that he can. He's just not sure how much good he can do or, you know, if he's up to the task. But so, so yeah, when he says that, it feels like, okay, that's never, it's not going to be that like, oh, he doesn't want to help people. It's that he's just going to, he's, he may, he's in danger of thinking like, you know what, I just can't go on. Like, I don't have it in me anymore. Um, but that is intention. Like we, I've never gotten a sense of like, oh, we're not like, we're not dealing with like, oh, some temptation that Clark is dealing with to like, oh, if I did this evil thing, then that would, you know, I would get this, you know, naughty benefit to it. Um, that's not the struggle Clark's dealing with. He's like, he, he always wants to do good. It's just, it's so hard and it's so complex. Like any choice he makes to try to do good also comes along with having, with doing bad things at the same time. And it's just, you know, too much for him or for anybody. Um, but I like, I always get the sense like this, this is a, this is a person with, with good intentions from the beginning. And that, and that's not the conflict isn't around his intentions. It's about his just sort of fallibility. I agree. I think that, yeah, it's not like he's being tempted to the dark side. It's just that he's finding that being yeah. a full-time Jedi is really, really taxing. Yeah. 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 We don't ever get, Clark's not ever like, oh, I could be like the, you know, emperor of earth if I only did X, Y, or Z like that. He's not that's not the the struggle he's having it's not like oh look at all of these riches and power i'm giving up by you know giving into these stupid humans like he's not ever doing that his his sympathies are always in the right place he just doesn't feel up to the task yeah all right so let's see they're out on kind of like a i guess a date like he's walking her home after that and yeah so, so in her mind she doesn't want to think of it as a double date but it kind of is because now they're it is totally, yeah. It. yeah was, and like, that's sort of like conspicuous sticks. So she's like, oh, this is definitely not a date. This is absolutely a date. This is nothing other than a date. Right. And then he basically asks her, like, all right, so when I asked you out before, why'd you say no? And so she's like, ah, oh, delicate question. Hmm. And yeah, and this is where it gets like super uncomfortable with like, because she just goes full bullshit at this point. And like, uh, yeah, it just gets very, very uncomfortable because, especially because like, like, is this like, well, that's funny. I was going to say, like, Clark is this hyper honest person, which is on some level true while he's also constantly lying to people. But, like, Clark is at least hyper benevolent. Like, his his intentions have always been good. So, like, when he and, and I got the sense at least that, like, his motives behind asking this question were very kind of authentic and kind of not, there wasn't any, like, ulterior motive around it. Um, and so, which then, like, butts up against how, like, suddenly this is, now Lois is required in this moment to become not just deceptive, but like hyper deceptive. She needs to become, you know, actively insincere in order to keep up with the story. And that's kind of part of what makes the whole disconnect and what makes all of this so uncomfortable. So it's, it's not something that Clark would approve of, and it's not something even Lois is good at or that she even particularly feels like she wants to do other than this sort of like a practical understanding of like, Oh, it mis- at least to me, as we're more talking about it, misguided understanding of like, oh, I need Clark to love me in order to feel like he shouldn't kill humans. Yeah, I can see why she thinks that because she's seen Superman go off the deep end. But yeah, it's it's clearly not something that she's comfortable with. Like you get the impression that if Lex was a pretty lady, that he would be he would have no compunctions about cozying up Superman and pretending to be, you know, his girlfriend or whatever. So that, you know, uh, Superman had anchors and stuff like that. But um and that all like reflects well on Lois like that like it's a believable that Lois would be uncomfortable with it and that's like among the things you would like about Lois is that she would be uncomfortable exactly yeah I think I mentioned how like unnerving it was when Lex is being all like super personable and nice with the, with the governor 
And you're like, oh, but it's so weird because he's like this, you know, uh, cold calculating, not psychopath, but he's, yeah. he's, he's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a whole different thing. But um, that is the way. And that's actually kind of what, like, part of what I'm talking about. Like, oh, it, like, I'd like to explore this character more because, because uh, he is, like, he's, he's not a psychopath in that, like, he, he sort of is a psychopath and like he, he is completely disconnected from any kind of understanding of human empathy, but he's not a sadist. He's like a psychopath minus the sadism. Um, like he doesn't, he's not trying to hurt people. Um, and he's doing what he thinks is the right thing in a very sort of limited understanding of what right and wrong means. Um, but he is like completely incapable of understanding how humans work. Um, and that's sort of like, and that's the part that's like interesting is like, okay, that kind of like disconnect between, um, you know, he can't understand what basically, you know, what good and bad are from an emotional sense, um, but isn't trying to actively be bad. Um, and that's like the really interesting part is like, okay, how does that, because it feels believable, like, oh, I can almost kind of, all of his, you know, his hyper competence and, you know, all of that other stuff doesn't feel believable. That's where he is just kind of like the... He's the, you know, capital B bad guy character. Um, but that part feels, I don't know if believable is the right word, but like sort of engaging and like, I'm not, I'm not thinking that it's completely fictitious. And that's the part where I, where I want to see like, okay, what's the backstory? How do you, how do you make a person that behaves like that where they're not malicious, but they're completely fucked up and miswired and don't know how to understand people? Like, how do you make how do you make a Lex Luthor? That's that's the part where it's like, oh, like, that would be like a really interesting story. To- yeah, for me, it's interesting because like I get the impression that like Lex is telling himself all this time that, yep, I'm just doing the right thing and trying to stop this existential threat. But up until like a week after Superman showed up, he was a crime lord, right? And yeah. so it, I, I wonder how honest he's being with himself. He's telling himself he's doing it for all the right reasons, but does he really just want to go back to making easy money being a supervillain? Like it's. Yeah. You know, as as we're saying this, what what occurred because I can sort of, uh, you know, minus the like, oh, I'm you know master of the universe and, and able to you know accomplish any task I set myself to, like just the vibe of like the kind of person he is does feel believable in. And what I'm thinking about is like Elon Musk feels like Lex Luthor in that sense. Like I can believe, like I could picture Elon Musk being this like disconnected, fucked up dude who's you know you know quite competent, but not you know, superhumanly so. Um, and also not like a bad person, but just not a good person either. Like, like it's believable. Like, okay, you know, how do you make one of these fuckers? Uh, like, where does that come from? Like, like, cause it's, it's almost like plausible. Like, uh, you know, I can see that in the real world, you could make one of these weird fuckers. Like, and where does that come from? Cause that would be strange and uncomfortable and weird. Elon's a good example. Cause he's, I know it, it kind of feels cause he feels like he's not a, he's not a, He's not all he, well, Andy, Andy, he's not quite a human. Like I remember, you know, there was something where I saw a few years ago when he was talking about it, like how, you know, tell me like how you, you know, what's your success story or whatever. This was like 15 years ago. And he was like, well, I realized that, you know, all my competitors are working 40 hour weeks. So if I just work uh, 80 hour weeks, I could get twice as much done. And it's like, sure, we all, well, I can just say that, but this guy just does it right. Like he, he, even now he, he's still a crazy workhorse, you know, sleeping on the factory floor at Tesla when they're building new models and stuff mm-hmm. like. The more that we say it, it like it feels like a great analogy because he does. He's always to me. It felt like, oh, you are a fucked up person. Like, and like I know people that have worked like near. I know people that have worked at uh, in SpaceX and at Tesla. Um, The phrase they used was the blast radius of his rage. Um, 
like he's not a pleasant human being that to sucks. work for. I can totally but yeah, like, I know. Right? Well, that's <laughs> I know the thing right? is, yeah, he apparently too- like you know he he sets unreasonable hours and stuff for his employees because for him working eight hour weeks is just a thing that people can do because he's he's some sort of superhuman monster you know not monster uh, mutant right so at least yeah from what the the first hand uh, evidence I've uh, been able to hear is apparently it's all consistent with the legends that you would hear but but yeah it does like it's uh, because and. Like and you and I have both talked about like the dude puts a sends a car to Mars and it brings tears to my eyes in a way that I do not at all feel bad about. Um, so it's like oh he's done all this like super amazing cool shit but he's also like a real motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, it feels like I like oh this is it's like right on with like he's a good example of people can be complicated. On the, on the specifics. Yeah, exactly. and I'm sorry if you guys can hear background mm-hmm. noise. There's some buddy sitting in the parking lot very politely. Uh, Maybe they're leaving now. I can't tell, but they're just like sitting there blaring music, but they're not in a parking spot. So super awesome. I don't think anybody can. I wasn't. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll see what it sounds like after auto mixing of the tracks, but I'll try and talk over it. And I've been muting the mic when you're talking. So, all right, I got to talk over the noise. So I'm going to just ramble and say that. uh, So Lois says something about. It's not. I'm not hearing anything back. Okay. Well, Lois says something about Superman in the past tense and Clark's like, past tense, you know, you might be listening in, right? And she's like, she's, she thinks the gall it must she's be like, taken. Clark can't say that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so she just, she just barrels past it, doesn't acknowledge it again. And um, then this is where Clark is talking about her good qualities. Like you said, uh, you know, she's um, intelligent, driven, principled. And, um, and she, I like, I like Lois a lot here because she's saying, uh, like I'm not very likable. And he's like, you're likable. She's like, no, I'm really not. I'm opinionated and hot headed and I push people's buttons cause I like to. And, um, well, that's almost like the likable thing because all of that's like super, you know, all, you know like accurate. Right. Like, and that's among the things ha- that are having likable. Having an accurate self-image is very has, likable. Yeah. Yeah. She's very realistic about herself. But in, and, and in addition to that realism about her bad qualities that she sees as bad qualities, he's like, you're intelligent, driven, principled. And she's like, Clark, I said, I know my good qualities. She's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Like, I love it. Ass. And then, so then basically she ends it all, all up by saying, you know, look, I don't know whether or not you still feel the same way about me, but I do like you, Clark. And if you ask me out again, maybe my answer would be different. So she's, I, you're right. It, I know that was so cringy. You're like, oh, she doesn't even fucking mean it. I know. Like, I mean, it was great. It totally worked for you. Like, oh, fuck. that's okay. And to me, that's just awesome writing, right? Like, cause we, we know that Lois doesn't like doing that. Like bad writing would be like, I have no idea how, how Lois feels about this. Right. Uh, good writing and like how like not believable it is but then that just reminds you of like clark so badly wants to believe it that he'll play along because she's saying all the things he wants to hear that, that's what um, she's hoping anyway so right like, but maybe this is part of what yeah. clues him in yeah well yeah and and yeah because and we get and later like he you know he figures out that you know none of this is real but like you still kind of got the sense that like oh he really really wanted to believe it um like that wasn't like selling the thing that like that wasn't the the problem with, with trying to sell it. Like he was uh, quite willing to suspend his disbelief about how uh, warm and fuzzy she was being. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Sorry, I'm distracted by this guy out the window. So he is sitting there with now his passenger door open. He's gotten out. He's cleaning his car and he's got headphones in. <laughs> so he's listening to something else while the neighborhood listens to whatever he's listening to. Sorry, loud loud neighbors. Like earbuds or huh? like earbuds headphones yeah. or. Like iPhone head headphones, I it's one of my old man you know yells at cloud moments, but like I I feel like it's definitely possible to enjoy whatever it is you're enjoying either with headphones on or loudly not parked in front of someone's house. So all right, <laughs> I'll, I'll 
I'll reel it in and focus on the matter at hand here. So uh, we cut to we cut to Lex, who we get some background on how he's uh, moved more mountains with money to uh, build labs across the country that are uh, synthesizing more kryptonite. So he's got he's got more oh, than yeah, that, that twenty ki- that twenty kilogram brick. Well, yeah, and so and like yeah, because Lex got like desperate enough around like oh I got to like you know, move the ball here that he's like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to like, that, that part to me at least felt like super risky. He was like, oh yeah, you know, we got this like block of kryptonite in inside Superman's little spaceship. I'm just going to you know, whip out a chisel and a hammer and just kind of, you know, just chip a little bit of that off. That'll be fine. Yeah. And then he sent samples <laughs> yeah. across to the star labs and they, he's like, yep, this, this show up a meteorite. Can you guys see if you can make more? And, uh, says the process was slow and costly, but the more kryptonite was being produced with every passing day on those nights. When he- so it was that like he's, he, he is making legit kryptonite. He's able to synthesize yeah. it, establish that. Okay. And that's why that's how he has enough that on the nights when Clark Kent was being occupied with Lois Lane, Lex began a slow renovation of his house. Yeah. That, so that part was vague. What did that mean to you? I didn't get that. I, I mean, I, I'm sure it's vague on purpose. What I'm, I'm guessing is like it just finished explaining how they're making more kryptonite. I mean, I guess like making kryptonite stuff. Like he's crypto arming armoring his house. Or yeah. Something. I it's not really clear what use that would be, just because like, you know, if it's if it's shielded by lead, he already he already well, has a lead that, house. You know that, yeah, lead house, but so that's like, you know, lead houses Superman can't see into your house, but a kryptonite house is Superman can't get into your house. What I love about that is he doesn't even know that. Right. He, yeah. he, he, he suspects, especially with what, yeah. Cause what we see is like, like, cause then towards the end of this chapter, he's, you know, basically trying to poison Superman with kryptonite. He, you know, tries to put it in the water. He tries to have people like walk up next to him with it and none of it appears to do anything. Um, but yeah, he's like, Oh, I guess he's thinking that is kind of weird. Cause like, if you don't know, if you haven't grown up knowing anything about Superman, I guess if you saw that as like, you wouldn't think of this as being a thing that could harm Superman. I guess that's sort of been framed to us a little bit as like, oh, why would it be encased in lead if it weren't harmful? But I guess at least for me, it wouldn't occur to me like the first thing wouldn't occur to me is the first thing that like, oh, this is a thing I can hurt Superman with. I think that it, so what I think what he's doing is he's expending a ton of resources and effort to the chance that this might hurt Superman. And my guess for that is because yeah. it was shielded on his spaceship. So he's like, okay, if if the spaceship designers decided that they needed to shield the baby Clark Kent from this stuff, maybe it's harmful. And from that, maybe he's bought laboratories. He started a nuclear research program yeah, guess, just so he can make I more. I fucking love it. And if, <laughs> and if you're not thinking about it as like, like literally how like because kryptonite has become a metaphor to us is like, oh, it's not his kryptonite. Like you might not even be thinking of it as like, oh, this is the you know, single vulnerability I can exploit, but like, Oh, this is probably something that might hurt him. Then, then yeah, it's, it's not quite as far fetched. He's like, Oh, you know, well, it was, he was shielded from it. So let's see what happens if we don't shield him from it. I just like that. Yeah. I mean, so that, that all, all of his effort here is based on just the fact that they shielded the baby from it. And like, I, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's based on, not nothing, but it's based on kind of a, a fringe hope. But as far as it is, yeah. it's the only thing he's got right now. So he's like, "Well, fuck it. I'm gonna. I won't put all my money in this bet on this on this uh, on this bet. But I've got enough money to throw around that 
might as well just invest heavily on this, you know, this next cryptocurrency to see if this one takes off, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and as well, like as far as like as as a work of fiction and how this works is like Superman is essentially omnipotent unless you involve kryptonite. Um, and but that's not how that's not the motivation behind how Luthor is acting. It's just like, okay, this appears to be a thing, um, but he's not yet thinking about it as it's his kryptonite. He's not thinking about it as like, oh, it's his one Achilles heel. Um, he's just like, okay, this is among the plausible things. Like, you know, this is among the pasta he's throwing against. It's, it's not even among the plausible things that he doesn't have a list of plausible things that can hurt Superman. This is the list, right? Mm-hmm. So, so like, yeah. he's like, well, I've got one lead. I'll chase it and see if it goes anywhere. And I'll spend, I don't know, $5 million doing it or $50 million, however much. Right. At least, yeah. And at least up to this point, he's, he's got no feedback at all that he's on the right exactly. track. Like he's like, apparently this doesn't do fuck all to Right. Me. I love it. It's great. Um, so now that, uh, all right. So we get that. Then we cut back to Lois and Clark slash Lewis and Clark, which is again, I'm sure that rhyme was on somebody's mind on purpose. Um, so, uh, they're going to Clark's apartment and I like this. Uh, I, I like the setup where Lois is thinking about it. And this again, to me is part of where she's in, in my mind. And when, when I'm in Lois's head, I'm picturing like I walk into Clark's place and I'm like, this guy is more human than I thought. Like, so before she had pictured like, okay, yeah, I bet he's got a picture of his parents and a cross and like a Bible. And that's probably it. Right. And then she's like, Oh, he's Superman. I bet he just lives in an apartment with you know there's not even food because no one lives here right like that's what she's thinking yeah. and it doesn't need right. food and then she walks in and she's like oh there's mementos and curios from around the city and uh you know souvenirs and pictures and all right and it's just like, and i like how like and our our take on that is like that's not a that's not clark pretending like that's like 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 what keeps coming up like it's not Superman pretending to be Clark. It's Clark pretending to be Superman. Like he really is that exactly. guy. Exactly. That's what I love about it. And so like she walks in and she's like, oh, this isn't some mutant alien's house. This looks like a real person lives here. And to me, in my mind, when I'm pretending to be Lois, I'm picturing myself as like, oh, maybe there's a real person in this. And like this, you know, is this all just an act? Because I mean, yeah, there's a lot of concern that this is all just one other facade because everything it's been doing has been facades left and right. But it's, I like it. Um Anyway, so then, oh yeah, then there's also this this bit that I liked. It says that uh, her anger was was starting to fade, which was a problem. It had been five weeks, and so apparently Superman's been gone for you know over a month. And she says that uh, although she still felt hot sparks of rage, it was hard to stay as angry as she'd been in the beginning, especially when she's wearing a layer of deception over her feelings. And uh, that yeah, it's like a little yeah, she's sort of acknowledging the hypocrisy to what she's. Doing. Yeah, pretending to like him is is turning into kind of actually liking him, and that it's like impossible just to keep up this this deception without really feeling anything because she's a nice person. Um, and then there's you know this unfortunate analogy. Well, not, I mean not not like it's a bad one, but it's a it's a sad one where she's like she dealt with a number of battered women in her time. Um, you know, either through her social programs or through stories that she was doing, and like. She'd always found it puzzling that they would sit there with a black eye and said that their husband or lover had done nothing wrong or that it wouldn't happen again. And it was it was a lie, but a lie they were able to convince themselves of. And she'd never thought she'd be a woman like that. But now that she and Clark were courting, she could see it happening to her. And she was telling the lies so much that she's starting to believe them. And like, it's it's sad because like she's feeling She's trapped. like, oh, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I've seen this. And now I'm yeah. 
And then there's this, this was read really well in the audiobook. It's like this kind of like, it's just like slow and serious. And um, it says she could imagine Clark hitting her. It would be she, her, she could imagine his fist going straight through her skull. And like just the, the horrible image of like, yep, got to keep this guy happy because not only will he hit me, but he'll beat me literally into a pulp. Um, and he could do it, you know, without breaking a sweat, like all oh, that's horrifying. Right. And then in the middle of those kind of ruminations, she's thinking, well, you know, I, unless Lex can think of a permanent solution, I, uh, you know, then yeah, I'll be a good girlfriend and eventually a good wife to, to Clark Kent. That, that's I know. Yeah. She's like fast forwarded to like, oh, I guess, you know, I'm going to grow old with this crazy fucker. And then like yeah. pulling her out of that kind of dark reverie. He's like, so do you like the place? And she's like, ah, not what I expected. You can't tell me you play this saxophone. And, um, like, but, but and he's like, no, I thought I, I bought it that thinking I'd learn. It turns out I really don't have an ear for music. And like, you know, Clark seems like a nice guy. And th- that's the other part of this yeah. that she's dealing and with. That's right? like totally believable too. Yeah. That. It's like, like, oh, that was, that's what any guy would be doing. He's like, yeah, no. Yeah. No. It's, would dig it, it. If I think she even says like, you know, you subtract all of the Superman business, then like Clark isn't half bad. Um, it's just like, you know, all the deception that was involved there just makes this guy seem like a twisted fuck. But like, you know, subtract that Clark seems like a pretty cool dude. Um, and then uh, um, what was it? Oh, yeah. So they, they make dinner or rather he does. And it's it irks her because uh, he's a better cook than she is, even though she doesn't. She knows that she's not a good cook, but it's still just like, ugh. Come on, one more thing. I, I bet he's got she super like tasting and super smelling, so he knows exactly the right number of ingredients and balances of spices and all that stuff, right? Well, and she's like, you know, having to give in a little bit of like 1930s sexism around like expectations. Around. That too, yeah. She she ought to be a good cook because she's a woman. Yeah. Oh, and that actually that did make me think of like the opposite of that was like it like at that in that era it would be a little bit like oh Clark you faggot you're good at cooking. Like that, that would be the opposite. Like that would also be in effect. Yeah, the thirties were not, not not the best time. And I say this as a dude that just bakes some French bread. So. Wait, what'd you just bake? Oh French man, bread. that's like weekly. That's kind of always like there's perpetually some French bread in my kitchen counter. I know it's awesome. We used to do game night over there, and I'd always snag some. Butch Viking War. All right, we need to get a new game set up here soon. Steal some warrior food. All right, <laughs> so. uh um oh yeah so there was the, so this was the part i was thinking of where um like she's thinking that she wishes that she was wrong about it being superman because he's not half bad and she's like but no clark is an unrepentant liar and uh, she wasn't sure if she was if he was an alien that had forged a human identity for himself or a farm boy who just developed astonishing powers but it didn't really matter much either way um yeah and you were like and you could like understand her level of being offended and pissed off like that was was believable but also you're like but but at least you know in my head it was like oh but like all of the shit he's having to deal with so like my reaction to that was like seeing both sides of that yeah so then they sit down and she falls asleep after snuggling up next to him and then being surprised about how he's like rock hard right oh wow hold on, <laughs> no, phrasing. the man of steel um, <laughs> <laughs> that he has I could, they did put it that way, at least like, oh, she like... Yeah, the hard defined muscles that Superman did. Still. Yeah. She, yeah. She, the, she, I think, yeah, she didn't say that he was rock hard. That, that's a, that's a, that's what she said. That's just, that's just your super gay fantasy. Yep. Uh, you got to think <laughs> Superman can ejaculate with, the, with enough force to rip somebody in two. But that's, a, that's a whole internet... I essay. bet it is. All right. It is. That's a, that's a real thing. So... Um, all right. So she... Lois slowly fell asleep against the man. Uh, the... the 
the punchline to that whole line of thinking is that the only way to continue the Kryptonian race is through incest with Supergirl. Well, great. Now that's in my brain forever. So there you go. All, all right, right, thanks. There you go. So, uh, all right. They listen to the radio show. She falls asleep, and then uh, she wakes up because the commercials are starting or whatever. And then they kiss, and it's not all that awkward because he's apparently not like fumbling and weird at it. And then this is where he leans back and he says, "How long have you known?" It says, "When Clark looked back, when Clark backed away, he looked sad." How long have you known? So, like to me, it seems like he had this like sudden realization, and like when. Like, so they go in for this kiss and it says like, you know, her heart starts beating really fast and stuff, but that could just be nervousness at the awkwardness, right? But maybe, you know, he knows that she's not the kind of person to get nervous with a kiss. So he, he can see her heart go faster. He hears her heart go faster. You know, all the, all the telltale signs, signs of high anxiety. And she's like, nah, she's not an anxious person. She knows. I think that might've been the last straw. Yeah. I get, yeah. Yeah. I read it as just sort of like, you know, Clark is a smart guy that can pick up on things. Um, so it was, you know, it didn't require any superhuman abilities for him to figure it out, but it also like, he's not so dumb that he wouldn't figure it out. I guess I just didn't know what exactly he was picking up on, but yeah, I think it was just the nervousness. Yeah. But yeah, he just, well, the nervous, I, at least for me, I'm thinking as, and as we've been talking about it, like he's been able to see the difference in the way she acts ever since, um, once she realized it. And then, you know, two minutes after her realizing it, she suddenly faced with Clark again and has to try to act normal. Like he was just able to pick up on that. Um, I like that. Cause it, like, it just sort of like makes Clark feel more human. Like he's, he's neither dumb nor, you know, some abstract concept of, you know, superhero and therefore stupid. Like he's like, you know, he could figure out like, Oh, she's not acting the way she always has. So something's changed. She must've figured it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. All right, so then I, I I love this whole interaction. So you know she's trying to play dumb for a second, and he's he's not having it, and he's like, he just says straight up like, from the moment I put on the suit, I thought you'd figure everything out and slap me across the face, and um, because dude, I look just like Clark Kent <laughs> and Dean Kane. And then uh, I do like this. Um, he asks, "How long have you known?" And she says, "Since just after you retired, Superman." And he's like, ah, and he takes off his glasses and kind of stops the Clark Kent posturing. Like, wait a minute, you took off your suit. You know, without your glasses, you look just like Superman. What I like about that is I wonder if he was concerned that she had figured out weeks ago and that he or that she helped like leak the secret to get people in Smallville. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, he doesn't know exactly when she figured it out. But it's but it seems like since Because again, from like his point of view, it's like, isn't this shit obvious? Yeah. So now at this point she's you know, assuming he believes her, he's like, oh, okay, good. She didn't leak the Smallville business. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's talking about how, like, look, we need to have it out one way or another. If you, if you hate me, I need to know. And I, I, I like this because, I mean, he's chill as hell during this whole conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's very reasonable yeah. in the way. And she even asks, like, all right, you really want to have it out? And he nods. And she's like, you're squandering your power. You're invincible. And, it's like, here you are. People are dying. And you're just sitting here. Like, you know. Yeah, and this is the part where she comes off as very Lex to me, like like there's kind of just a fundamental misunderstanding of how hard it would be to deal with. All I think that. we all imagine, and maybe you know, since now we're, we've been in the head of of a Superman who deals with it, but like certainly, I like to imagine that if if I had Superman's powers, I'd be out there all the time, right? I can't imagine watching three hours of Netflix a day if I could hear people burning to death, you know, on the other side of the planet, right? Like so. Yeah, for me, it's almost like, but she has this sort of certainty around how her her actions would be like she doesn't think that 
she doesn't consider that she would become emotionally exhausted. Um, she just thinks like, oh, well, the, you know, the ethical importance of what I would be doing would override any, you know, emotional fatigue I would feel, um, which is what we would all like to think about ourselves. But like, she doesn't entertain. And this is the part where, like, because Lois is not at all as like weirdly mechanical as Lex, but like, this is a way in which she is emulating that. It's like, oh, look, you're being very Lexish right now. I think it's hard because, you know, part of her, I think, thinking on, like, if I were Superman is fueled by anger at, you know, Superman sitting here, right? Like, so I I wonder maybe. And with, like, the position she's put in now of, like, having to, like, play along. Exactly. So I I think there's definitely. She's in all kind of a fuck. Yeah, there's definitely some emotion there. Like, you know, I'm sure that there are people who think that uh, uh, Bill Gates doesn't do enough to make the world a better place, right? Yeah. and even I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he could theoretically be doing more, but he's doing so much that I think he's awesome, right? Doing more and than he, me. And it, I mean, I don't. I, it's not even fair for me to compare myself to him because I don't have what he has, right? Uh, but if I did have what he has, I don't know if I could do better. You know, like I might imagine myself like, nope, I wouldn't. You know, I, I would, uh, I would burn myself out spending a decade working tirelessly to solve all the problems I could, but. Like that's just not how life works, right? I, I I hope Bill Gates gets to take his shoes off, put his feet up, and watch Game of Thrones, right? Like, you know, <laughs> it, he is doing more than taking his reusable bags to the grocery right. store. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, Clark, I we really did all we could. What's we? fun about a debate with Clark Kent is that I don't know, and not, you know, we can't know. Is he slowing down time to think of counterarguments, or is he just thought of all this in advance? Oh yeah, that's, yeah. And what would that be like for like if that's always an option for you? Like, would you? I guess yeah, I probably always. Yeah, really easy way to. You'd eventually just get tired of that shit. I guess it would be more of a factor. Like, do I? How badly do I want to win this argument? This one, I imagine he wants to win a lot, right? But I think he's probably just thought it out because you know uh, Lois has complained to Clark before when she didn't know he was Superman about how lazy Superman was, and so you know he asks her like because she says yeah I'd be out doing this all the time, and he's like you don't see hypocrisy there like. People say that they do that if they could do, go out and do what I can do, but then they go out to fancy restaurants and buy cigars and like it's you know basically he's he's making a kind of Peter Singer style argument and um, and then she does the the casual retreat of people. Well, no, actually she she does do better than most people. Says that she volunteers uh, in her free time, which she doesn't have much. Yeah. She heads up social programs, like so she is actually doing more than almost everybody. Uh, so. But it does like thoroughly point out the like, but what are you doing right fucking now? Yeah, you're on a date too, bitch. You're in an apartment. Yeah, exactly. So let the, I think that he 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 doesn't put it quite as barbed as that, but it's like, yeah, these social programs you're saying, you're patting yourself on the back for, you could be out doing that right now, but you're here, you know, on a date. Although when you think about it, she believes that she is doing the most altruistic thing anyone can do. Which is I guess that's true. She doesn't think she's on a date. She thinks she's trying to save humanity from Superman. She didn't. She doesn't make that point. But I wonder how that would have changed the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but but see, this is where she, again she's more focused on very very understandably. She's focused on like, look, here's how I'm fucking feeling, man. You lied to me over and over, and like, and then she she hasn't told this to Lex. I don't think she's told this to Clark before. But she's now telling it to Clark's last Superman. It's like. You know, you crushed dust, you cl- crushed rocks to dust and thought I'd be oppressed. And like, when you lifted me up and carried me half a mile above the city, like you just act like a second nature for my life to be in your hands. Like the stuff that she said, it was, you know, uncomfortable and terrifying. She's laying out to him now, right? Yeah. And that's a really good image that like, 
especially because like from Clark's point of view, that's such a harmless thing for him to do. It's like, Oh, well, you know, I just picked you up and carried you, yeah. you know, up in the air, like how much of a kind of violation that is for any regular person. Yeah. It was like, like oh, I had no choice in that situation. You just decided that's what we were doing and that's what we yeah. were doing. And, and she's finally expressed that, which I, I think is awesome. And especially expressing it to Superman himself. All right. So here, here's where I kind of think she is actually switching. She's gotten that off her chest. And again, maybe I'm just naive and trusting, which might be a problem I have in real life too. But she says, um, you know, look, I'm sorry that I couldn't settle in, pretend to be the woman that you wanted me to, wanted me to be. But Clark, it wasn't all an act. If things have been different, hell, things are different now. If we can be open and honest with each other and tear down the lies, like I'm not promising anything, you understand. But I think we could both, I think we'd both like to start over. So like, I think. I know that was so super uncomfortable because you're like, oh, she kind of means that and she kind of does I, I wonder if she means it. Like, oh. I, I think I give her too much. I give, I give people the benefit of the doubt. I think that like, so then he's like, all right, starting over in this like one of favorite lines that Superman has. He says, all right. Then he holds out his hands like they're being introduced. My name is Clark Kent. I masquerade as Superman. I can bend steel with my bare hands and move so fast that bullets look like they're frozen in the air, among other things. But he says, I'm Clark Kent. I masquerade as Superman. Not the other way around, right? Yeah. Which is like a great way to say it because that, that feels like totally accurate for how all of this has been yeah. portrayed. And masquerade is an important word there too. Not like I you know, not like I'm Clark Kent and I'm part time Superman. He's like, No, I pretend to be Superman. I pretend really to be Clark Superman. Kent. There is no Superman. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, she shakes his hand and says, Lois Lane, professional snoop. You're really from Smallville? And they get some background on on all that business. And uh See, again, part of it, maybe it's the voice acting from the audiobook where, you know, uh, the the actress playing Lois sounds less pissed in this. And maybe that's coloring my perception of the of the text itself. But like when he says he's talking about it and stuff and then he's like, you want, how much do you want to know about this? And she's like, all of it. I kind of just picture like her actually now being genuinely enthused and curious. Right. Yeah. I guess like, is, is she still is she still cozying uh, up to the horrifying man of steel or is she like all right, now I'm learning who this guy is for the first time. Which yeah, I think, yeah, it's more, uh, so yes, she really, it's not like manipulative, but it's not, she's not wanting to learn it because, oh, I want to get to know you better. It's more just like, fucking tell me what all this shit has been about. Um, so it's not, it's not a lie, but it's also not for any kind of like you know, personalization reason. I could see it both ways. Yeah. All right. So, um, I don't know how much we need to get into with like the background. He gets the hearing first and the vision. And then, uh, the, then he talks to the spaceship and there's a ghost of his dad in it. And I like this too. Cause yeah. like, he's like, well, no, not a ghost, a simulacrum, you know, a shard of his personality. And, and then he explained all this stuff and she's like, and he said it all in English. And like, she, she's doing like the appropriate skeptical thing. And, um, mm-hmm. he, she's like, you know what? That's me. He, he can suck it if he doesn't like my skepticism. And I like this too, because it's really human of Clark, right? He says, you know, I only thought of that later when I was a teenager. Like, why the fuck was he speaking English? And why did he look like a Greek, right? Like, why, why was yeah. this fancy Greece and not something else? And it turns out that the real Krypton is a um, is a dark planet covered in black water. And uh, I know this, this is the super creepy part. He's like, oh, yeah, actual Kryptonians are some sort of like weird alien squid thing. Like, of course, they're not human, which like totally fits the like rationalist thing. Like, well, okay, that would be, st- be stupid. Um, and he says, like, oh, I'm just something that the – did he say AI? I think he, he said that the, the ship like, built. Yeah, this, yeah, I'm something that the ship AI built. Um, but that – so, yeah, acknowledging, like, well, of course, you know, me looking like 
you know, a homo sapiens would be weird. So that was, you know, on purpose. Um, but yeah, it did make it like, like a super creepy, like, Oh, you yeah, well, you know, actual Kryptonians or some weird like alien thing. Um, but it, but he does say but that, also, that he's not, that he's not really a Kryptonian that like, he- yeah. So, I mean, I get, so that, that didn't, that is kind of what I came away with, but that didn't seem like a, like a given. He is kind of saying that, because if that's the case, what he says is like, oh, I'm just something the AI made or something the shit made. Um, that it that it was even more than saying like, oh, I was this kid and the ship turned me into something that would be less threatening to the human race that I was about to become part of. But that almost like, well, you know, I was just going to be kind of whatever arbitrary thing the ship was going to make, which then in a sense is like, oh, he's not, you know, uh, Jarrell's son. He's just he's the AI weird fucking thing that Jarrell decided to send off the planet. Like he's not an actual child. He's the thing created by Jarrell, um, which would sort of like, I don't know, change the whole vibe of the thing. Yeah. I guess I picture him as a, like he, he's a biological organism and like, maybe they put him in the ship when he was a fetus. Right. So like he wasn't technically born yet or something. And then like when it was mapping like his genome or something, it's like, yep, here's what humans look like. We'll make you look like one of them. Um, yeah, I guess so. It could be that, like, and that, and I think that's what we sort of started out thinking. But it almost sounded as if, uh, at least come from the way he said it, like it may have been that, like, oh, it wasn't that he was like you know the son of Jarrell, and that the AI you know made him look human, but it was like he was an arbitrary thing put out there, and so then not really a child. Like he wasn't a child; he was this thing that Jarrell put in a space capsule and said, okay, wherever it lands, turn it into whatever it needs to be. That like, that's not the same, like that's not his child. That's, you know, he made that in order to do the thing he was doing, which then kind of makes the whole thing kind of a little less, you know, human. I mean, human in the sense like, you know, less personal, like, oh, he's not, he's not a person, you know, then brought into the world. He's a, you know, that, that makes him a little bit more like a science experiment on the part of Jarrell. Yeah. I mean, it makes you wonder what purpose that Jarrell would have to send him off unless it was, you know, to care for his son. And if part of that meant changing his biology, then, you know, so be it. But I, I get the impression. Yeah. And it wasn't like, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't definitely say it that way, but it like kind of introduced this idea that like, oh, it's not that, it's not that like, oh, this is his son that, that Jarrell decided, you know, would need to be changed in order to, to adapt it was just more like oh Jarrell just sent out this weird organism ai thingy um which is sort of kind of his son in a metaphorical <laughs> sense but but kind of not really it's not like oh i've got the son and how do i save him i'll let him turn into a human i was more like oh well, let me just kind of like break up a piece of our technology and intelligence and send it off to some other planet i i, I see it more as the the first thing where it's like, all right, you know, my planet is exploding. I've got my child. I'll b- drop it in the spaceship. And just to make sure that it's not eaten by whatever planet it lands on, I'll have it just look like whatever it look, you know, whatever lives on that planet. And like, it's still, you know, you're still in some way preserving, you know, your, your child that you yeah. care about. It's just, you're taking the sacrifice of changing it a lot to let it survive. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm, that's like our usual like interpretation of it. I get this just sort of more introduced, like oh, it might have been something a lot more sort of like cold and intellectual rather than like oh, how do I save my child? It just sort of like oh, how do I reproduce the intellectual advancements of our civilization? Blah blah blah. Um, like it might have made it like oh, this might this might have been something like you know a lot more kind of ceremonial mechanic rather than 
like humane. Like this might not have been just like some guy trying to save his child. This might've been somebody like sort of in some kind of more intellectual pursuit of preserving civilization. Yeah. That's like, you know, when you think of it that way, I guess, you know, it's interesting to think that the whole story of Krypton being a dying planet and falling to pieces is this bullshit story. And that like part of what Kryptonians do as like college, you know, experiments is build, you know, AI biology hybrids and shoot them into space and do this. And just like, there's a zillion of these things flying through the universe. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I hadn't thought of it that way, but it's fun to think about. Um, all right, here's the last thing that made me think that uh, Lois is actually, you know, turning how she feels about him because she's this is in her head. She's not saying this. Um, it says that uh, the important thing was that Clark was being honest with her now and his secrets were spilling out into the open. She had told him off and he'd called her a hypocrite, but that but somehow that didn't mean they couldn't still be friends. So I'm like, OK, if she's thinking that to herself, I think she's you know coming around on Superman. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, it's all been like this, like weird you know, ambiguous state of like, nobody's the bad guy in any of this. Um, yeah, totally. Um, all right. So let, uh, then we get a line break and this is where we talked about a little earlier. Lex is just trying all these ways to basically poison Superman. And again, Lex being Mm -hmm. the not, you know, not monster, but the, he, he's basically you know, subtract feelings from a human and make them utilitarian. And you've got Lex Luthor. Right. And so he's like, uh, he he had tr- he had run tests on uh, before using it on people um, because more because he's worried about overplaying his hand than because he was concerned about what effect it would have on the people in the building, right? So like, yeah. it, it, he's not saying. Well, yeah, he's still done all the calculations. Like, you know, fuck it. If twenty people die, there's you know there's billions of people on the planet, right? So, it, but it's like his concern isn't that he's going to kill possibly everyone in the Daily Planet building. It's it's that he's <laughs> like, well, I don't want to overplay my hand. Uh, I don't, so it's just that that's a very uh in uh un- inhumane way of thinking about it but um yeah. you know i it's lex and i love him for it so um yeah so first i think he puts it in the drinking supply and then uh it's an, he tries to make it like pays people to like walk right by clark with some kryptonite in their pocket yeah that's the third test second one was just aerosolizing the building full of it but it says that it loses its signature glow when in pieces smaller than a gram. And he thinks that it might have to be sufficient mass. So yeah, then it's the one that, all right, take a thumb piece size, you know, put it in this guy's pocket and give him the simplest of instructions. Walk past Clark Kent. <laughs> it still does. Die. Yeah. He hadn't noticed any changes in Clark's behavior. Not even when the Patsy came in with an arm's length of him. He's like, all right. The Patsy. Like all these very, these very 1930s sounding right. terms. Yeah. <laughs> Brief exposure likely wasn't to do the trick, especially not at a distance. The fullest test of the kryptonite would be to place it directly next to Superman for as long as possible. Yeah, how are you going to do that, buddy? Um, mm-hmm. the, the spaceship's crash? I don't know. Had a crash. Had a large piece of kryptonite mm-hmm. directly next to it, and a relatively thin layer of lead is apparently sufficient shielding, which said quite a bit about the danger that it posed. The kryptonite would have to be close, nearly in the range of skin contact, and that meant using Lois Lane. Unfortunately, Lois could lead Superman right back to Lex, but that's what contingency plans are for. Now, at least my like my pop culture understanding of of how kryptonite works is it's in some like otter pop sized crystal of kryptonite, and you can just sort of like wave it at Superman within a few feet, and he becomes entirely powerless. Like that's 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 my understanding of. I mean, high, the power high five for otter pops, and uh, I know right. That's my understanding too. That's how it works in the Dawn of Justice movie. 
Yeah. And so that should have like, so some random dude, unless we're going to like get, like make it super important, like the rough amount, but like some random dude with, you know, a nugget of kryptonite in his pocket, walking by Superman should have kind of fucked him up at least a little bit. I guess what would it look like for him to get weaker? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it could have been that like, yeah, it did fuck him up, but he tried to just like play it off and you didn't notice. Then that would mean that he's like fully in the loop basically. Right. Yeah. Well, and that is got like, and that's kind of the thing implied, like the last line of, and I think we get, we do get a line line break before, but the last line of this chapter is Superman waited and watched. Um, so yeah, we definitely kind of get the implication that like he knows more of what's going on than anybody is aware of. What I love about that line is that it's not, it's, it's Superman waited and watched, right? So like Superman is, is, and I, and I, I'm getting the impression that might be from, you know, just whatever God's eye point of view, but yeah, it's not Clark. It's not, it, it's Superman is still, you know, still a thing, even though he's been gone for five weeks and he's, he's watching, right? It's awesome. All right. Speaking of awesome, I feel like I hit everything I wanted to hit with the Lois versus Clark stuff and all that. Um, and we're running a you know, good amount of time here, but we do have just one episode left. We are going to cover chapter 13. Which is uh, finale part two. So, um, any final thoughts for this week? Uh, no, like I said, like so, I'm curious where this is going, and I'm a little, I'm disappointed that it's ending so quickly. We had a lot more we could have gone into, but yeah, like we're, we're this one made it going to see, like, yeah, I, I, and I legit don't know, like, is Superman going to live through this next chapter? I do not know. I, it's like a coin toss for me right now. Oh, I'm really glad that you you brought that up. So one. I'm going to, so both things. One, yes, I wish this was methods of rationality long, right? I could read this for a year. Um, I'm having a great time with it and I, I'd, I'd be, I would be entranced the whole time. All right. So, but then, uh, so you don't know how it's going to end, which is good. That That's, that's a good, you know, spot to be in before the end of the show, end of the book. Right. How do you, how would you like it to end? What, what would you find satisfying? What would I like find satisfying? Um, I guess I don't want Lex to win in any sort of sense of winning. Uh, I would like how, you know what? <laughs> now they said, I would like Clark to lose all his powers and become a regular person. And there be, and that would kind of like tie in with the very watchman sense of like, it's just not good for humanity to have superheroes. So I would like Clark to become nobody in particular. And the human race has to realize that we have to deal with our own shit. And Clark gets to go back to just being a regular person that can influence the world no more or less than anybody else. Awesome. I like it. We will find out next week uh, how this ends Smooth. on We Want More Metropolitan Man. Bye, everybody. There it is. <laughs> <laughs>